Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Yeah, greetings from the Gulf Coast of Florida. This is a kind of a, um, a beautiful day out there. I was just listening to the birds singing outside my window. This is really kind of cool. So it's gorgeous here. You know, having a having a wonderful time. I, I guess the rest of the country is kind of thawing out. At least they should by now, even up in Minnesota. And who knows what's going on in Fairbanks, Alaska? It's always cold up there. <laughs> it was there in the summertime. It was like 50 degrees. People were like, oh, it's a great day. It's 50 degrees. Really? <laughs> okay, fine. You know, being a being a Florida person now, it's kind of uh, kind of wild. So the good news is we have people today. It's not just me. So I'm really excited about that. I put that in the live chat. So I only have half an hour um, to myself. So I got to get to. There's a lot of stuff I want to get to. So I'll cover that. But we got Derek Park at the bottom of the hour. Uh, we have Rebecca Charles uh, who's coming back, and she's going to be a regular. Uh, we're going to start a report probably next uh, Wednesday with her. She's a new website. She's the one who lost her daughter. Uh, to the hospital, uh, Death by Hospital Protocol uh, is her website. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to get uh, probably Steve Sharabek, uh, who lost his daughter, Grace. Uh, Danielle is uh, Rebecca's daughter. And we have another guest uh, who's coming on with her, uh, Marie Clark. And so we're going to talk to her as well. And so that's going to be the second hour. In the third hour, uh, we've got uh, Cowgirl Candace coming back to talk to us about horses and nature and you know whatever else is on her mind and things that she's discovered. And so it's going to be fun. It's going to be an interesting day today. And it's great for Friday. I mean, this, you know, horse ride. I mean, you can't go wrong with horse riding. And, of course, it's fun to talk money and uh, everything else is happening. Um, but, uh, and, of course, a very serious topic. That's, that's, that's more of a Wednesday than a Friday topic just because Fridays, you know, like everybody else, I like to lighten up, have a little fun. It's the weekend. You know, it's time to go out and do stuff. So, so being me, you know, where politics is my sport, <laughs> is my recreation, unlike most of you folks to take it very seriously. I'm telling you, if you don't treat it as a game, you're going to go crazy. So to me, politics is a game. Legislation is a game. It's one big game, and I just intend to win the game. That's all. Um, So I'm going to go take a a run out to uh, Representative Matt Gaetz, a new office at Crestview, and uh, go go chat and and say uh, hi, you know, Uh, ask them why they're not coming on the show. And, uh, you know, are they going to sponsor, you know, vaccine product legislation, liability legislation? And are they going to sponsor, you know, uh, legislation to end uh, censorship by big tech? And, uh, you know, our constitutional amendment to uh, uh, take away the power of Congress to borrow money and to disarm all the federal bureaucrats and give the guns back to American people, you know, and some of the other things we have, uh, and then to uh, prescription drug advertising. You know, just little things like that I want to talk to him about. And I want to get him back on the show. I mean, he used to be on my show. I played yesterday. I played uh, my last interview uh, with Matt Gates back in 2018. But since they're, uh, they don't answer my phone calls and they don't answer my emails, I have to go see him in person and say, hey, guys, remember me? Because I don't go away. You know, I'm not, I'm not nasty. I'm not an assistant. I'm not, uh, well, maybe a little assistant. But I'm certainly not uh, aggressive in any of this. I just, uh, you know, keep knocking on the door. Hey, I'm here. You know, uh, we've got the solutions here. We, we know how to fix the problems. You know, why are you wasting your time talking about it and complaining to everybody? <laughs> like, and this is the frustrating part for me. We've got the answers to the problems. We know we do. You know, we have the answers. We have the solutions. Uh, I don't know if people are more afraid of the solutions, um, whether they think they're just too simple or whether there's some kind of weird thing going on that if they solve the problems, they somehow won't have a job. You know, is, is it job security? In other words, if, if crime disappeared, you know, would we need police? 
You know, and I wonder about that. That's why they want to take the guns away. This is why chiefs of police, well, politically, maybe, um, you know, there's certain folks in law enforcement that want to get rid of all the guns from the honest law-abiding citizen, um, even though they're, swore, they're sworn to uphold to keep the guns in the hands of law-abiding citizens anyway. Um, but uh, the, somehow this is like this weird thing that if, if uh, people can protect themselves, you know, why do they need the police? And I wonder that sometimes, you know, with the politicians and the do-gooders and the nonprofits and all these other organizations, if suddenly the problems are solved, are they going to get their grant money? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't have grant money, so I don't worry about that. I wish I did. Like I say, I could, uh, I could change the world on what uh, the Heritage uh, Foundation spends on their luncheons. So, uh, but that's another story. All right, a couple of big things in the news. Well, anyway, I'll, I'll let you know uh, Monday what happens with my, my, uh, my little Matt Gates uh, thing. I'll probably put the, post a Facebook video, too, like a before and after, you know, before I leave and after I visit them. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. So that'll be sometime today. Uh, so the two big things in the news, and they're both fairly recent. One uh, is an article by Peter Navarro on how Fox completely screwed up, how they surrendered um, to, uh, to uh, Dominion and the deep state, and they surrendered to the lie that uh, – um, that the election was, uh, you know, fair and, and free and all that other kind of nonsense, which, of course, it wasn't. You know, the old saying, the truth will set you free? <laughs> well, in Fox's case, it's literally true. The truth would have set them free of $787 million in basically uh, surrender money that they're paying so they don't have to tell the truth. So that's what Fox is really doing. Fox is paying Dominion so that Fox doesn't have to tell the truth that they don't have to have their, their people tell the truth, that they don't, uh, they're not going to be embarrassed by the truth you know, in front of all their, uh, their leftists, their deep state people, and everybody else. So that's kind of fascinating. The other thing is the whistleblowers come forward. Isn't it amazing how many whistleblowers? See, any, you know, the, the whistleblowers are the, are the decent people in government. See, there are decent people in government. There just aren't enough of them, that's all. But, uh, and they don't rise to power. They usually uh, you know, are in milled management positions, and they don't get any further because they're decent people in government. So, uh, so what we need, need to do is take the whistleblowers and put them in charge of the administration, uh, put them in charge of, of, of just entire departments, put them in, put them in cabinet positions. That's, that's, what I, that's what I would do with whistleblowers is anybody that's that gutsy to come forward and talk about all the problems. You know, this whistleblower, the senior uh, uh, agent uh, investigator at the IRS, I, I put them in charge of the IRS. I said, okay, your job is to clean out all the people that uh, stopped you from doing what you intended to do properly. I mean, that's how you handle it. That's what Trump should do. He should take the whistleblowers and make them, uh, you know, the cabinet. <laughs> you know, anyway. So, so that's, uh, there's a couple articles on that. So let's just start on that. That's uh, probably the more direct uh, of the two. The other thing, Fox has already happened, so it's, it's kind of old news. But it's, it's good to know just how bad it is. So let's start with the article April 19th, Patriot's Day. The, the day that everybody forgot, uh, where the headline in the New York Post, which is doing wonderful work on this and Hunter Biden and everything else, IRS whistleblower alleges cover-up of Hunter Biden tax evasion in bombshell letter to Congress. Now, of course, the real question is, what's Congress going to do with this? <laughs> Anything? Nothing? You know, we'll see. Uh, apparently, when uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene you know, calls Mayorkas a liar, even the Republicans say, well, that's, that's kind of harsh. Maybe you should retract those comments. And then, the, then you hear the commentary the, uh, on the news. Will the gentle lady from uh, Georgia retract her comments? <laughs> and then she says, no, I won't. <laughs> Good for her. All right. So April 19th, um, a couple of days ago, IRS whistleblower, uh, New York Post, written by, where's my author here? Stephen Nelson, N-E-L-S-O-N, who says, Washington, an IRS whistleblower has informed Congress that he wants to come forward to reveal a cover-up in the tax evasion investigation focused on first son Hunter Biden, according to a letter obtained by the Post. I wonder how they got it. Well, obviously, the whistleblower gave it to him. 
or somebody in Congress did. Anyway, says a lawyer for the official uh, told a group of congressional committee leaders Wednesday that he wants to expose preferential treatment and false testimony to Congress by a senior political appointee. That senior political appointee is Merrick Garland, the attorney general, who was the number three uh, in the Justice Department during the Waco massacre under Janet Reno. So Merrick Garland is well-versed in terrorism, domestic uh, security stuff, internal security, KGB tactics, and things like that. Uh, If you learn from Janet Reno, you learn from the best in terms of killing people and not caring, uh, being a total psychopath that she was. I know she's a psychopath. I mean, she sat there in Congress just like uh, Mayorkas does. They must, all, they must all go to the same psychopath school, you know, the, the school for government psychopaths, you will, where you learn how to uh, remove your conscience, how to say things that you know are untrue, uh, how to do it in a way that you could pass a lie detector test without emotion, how to look smugly you know, down upon uh, a Congress who is your boss, uh, who does have oversight over you, not care, uh, and kill people at will and feel good about it and get a good night's sleep. I mean, that's what these people do. You look at Janet Reno, you look at Merrick Garland, you know, you look at uh, Eric Holder, you know, those are the three people who are most directly involved uh, in the Waco massacre, you know, back in uh, 1993. Janet Reno was the attorney general, Eric Holder was deputy, and uh, Merrick Garland was assistant deputy. One, two, three. And guess what they all, they all ended up as attorney general. Isn't that fascinating? So the training for attorney general is that you massacre a certain amount of American citizens, not care about it, and uh, advance. And that's, 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 if you're in the Democrat Party, that's how you get to be attorney general a long, distinguished list of murderers, mayhem, internal security people, KGB types, and things like that. Oh, I'm sure to get a knock at my door on that comment. (laughs) It's okay. I expect it. It's going to happen one day, you know, anyway. So, but I don't care. I'm still going to say what I say uh, because you have to. Can't let these people intimidate you. Anyway, so this is a lawyer for the official uh, told a group of congressional committee leaders Wednesday that he wants to expose preferential treatment. Okay, well, this is going to be good. So how come the hearing isn't scheduled, Congress? This hearing should have been scheduled already. The minute this made the news April 19th by April 20th, which was yesterday, uh, this hearing should have been scheduled for Monday. But they haven't done it yet, weenies. See, weenies in Congress, let's schedule this hearing. Let's get this. this And this has to be televised. I don't want this out in the public. We need to hear all about this. Anyway, it says an unnamed whistleblower is a career IRS criminal supervisory special agent who has been overseeing the ongoing and sensitive investigation of a high-profile controversial subject since early 2020. Excuse me. Well, with that kind of description, is there anybody that doesn't know who this is already? Everybody in the IRS knows who this is. The person, that the, the, the person who's doing this is the one person who's been complaining to their coworkers at the IRS. I mean, everybody, I, I guarantee you everybody in the IRS knows who this is. I think most people in Congress know who this is. I know the I know the Brandon insurrection knows who it is. You know they're probably planning to do, to do a Hillary on him or her. We don't know if it's him or her. I shouldn't assume. Um, but uh, but let's uh, let's you know. I mean I hope they've got Secret Service protection. I hope Trump's already protected this person. You know I hope they're they're living in Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> You know, because they need to be able to. It's, it's like you never. You, know, you see all those police shows. You know where they have to get the uh, the witness at the last minute to court before the the mafia or, or whatever organized crime gang kills them. Well, this is the same kind of situation. You know, we got to get this person in front of the TV cameras before uh, before the deep state uh, deep sixes them. All right. So this is what we need to have happen. Anyway, so attorney Mark Little L Y T L E or Lytle. Uh, was on CBS News. And so they actually did a good report on it, which everybody else has copied. This is, although Hunter, 53, just scary he's that old, you know, isn't named in the letter, a congressional source confirmed the complaint pertains to the first son. I've never heard him characterized that way, but I guess that's true. Who reportedly borrowed about $2 million last year to pay off his uh, tax bill assessed on income earned overseas. So he earns millions of dollars. 
he doesn't put any of it into, you know, his quarterly estimates and his payments. So he has to borrow $2 million. If you have to borrow $2 million just to pay your taxes, how much money did you make? <laughs> There's a question for you right there, right? Uh, and it says, Lyle, uh, Little, Lytle, did not immediately respond to the post request for comment, but in an interview with CBS Evening News said that his client um, has worked at the IRS more than a decade and has extensive documentation. So obviously, this, you know, I mean, it wouldn't be, how hard do you think it is to find a person when they've already described them in that much detail? How many supervisors have been there over 10 years who are investigating Hunter Biden, who are complaining about the, the fact that they can't get things done, and who are disgruntled already and have said something to coworkers? Uh, one person, and that's the whistleblower. So that's why they need whistleblower protection. They should have gotten the protection before they started, you know, anyway. Back to the article. <laughs> An IRS whistleblower co- uh, claims in a letter to Congress that there was a cover-up of Hunter Biden's alleged tax evasion at the agency. Well, of course there was. There's a cover-up of everything Hunter Biden does. He's protected. You know, uh, we are not. He is. Anyway, it says because the things uh, he's been through are very well documented in emails and other communications uh, with Department of Justice. So oh, that's the last place you want to document stuff is the Department of Justice, uh, because just like the, the manifesto from the transgender murderer of the Christian uh, children, you know, in uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, it's going to disappear. Right? so in fact, this person might disappear. All of a sudden you find, oh, gee, they were the, uh, you know, they, they had a small plane crash. <laughs> you know, they, they, uh, a barbell fell on their neck in a gym. Uh, you know, they were shot in the back three times by suicide. You know, what are some of the other things that have happened to people that have gotten in the way? Anyway, it says the White House referred uh, the post request for comment to the IRS and the Justice Department because the White House never answers anything for what they do because they're an illegal administration. So why should they, right? Well, I sort of embellished on the article here, uh, which did not immediately respond. Representatives of Hunter Biden also did not respond. So uh, what's your name? Uh, Jean-Pierre Rampal there at uh, the press secretary. She has a novel tactic for, for press secretary. Her job is now to decide that she won't answer any questions. And it's really fascinating. So I'm, I'm not going to answer that. Well, then what the hell are you doing there? If you're not going to answer it, then go away. Get us somebody who will answer it. Okay? So if your job as press secretary is to, is to not answer, then why, why have a press? Why have a press? Why even have press conferences? Why are the press even there? Why don't they just, in fact, all the conservatives and moderates should just leave because it's a total farce and let the liberals ask liberal questions and they can just talk to each other. You know, what you really want to do is have a, you know, what, what Trump should do, quite honestly, um, is fire everybody in the, in the White House press corps, pick a whole bunch of conservatives from Breitbart News, Zero Hedge, um, 100% fed up, uh, American Greatness, you know, One American News, Newsmax, not Fox. Um, and the good sources out there, you know, all the sources that I use, uh, New York Post, uh, and let those folks ask questions, you know, and that's the way to do it, you know, and then, and then have them stay, see how long they stay uh, during the next Democrat administration, which hopefully will never happen. Uh, as I post in Facebook, the greatest danger to this country is the Democrat Party, and the second greatest danger is the Republican Party. <laughs> see the pattern? Back to the article. Lyle addressed the Wednesday letter. Uh, Lyle addressed his Wednesday letter to the top Republican and Democrat members on the Senate Finance and Judiciary Committees and on the House Judiciary and Ways and Means Committees, uh, in addition to whistleblower caucus co-chair Senator Chuck Grassley, Republican. Fortunately, well, uh, sending this kind of stuff to the Senate is, is uh, they've already tossed it, so it doesn't matter. Quote is, despite serious risk of retaliation, my client is offering to provide you with information necessary to exercise your constitutional oversight function and wishes to make the disclosures in a nonpartisan manner to the leadership of the relevant committees on both sides of the political aisle. So the problem is we have two political parties rather than having a Congress. 
We don't have a Congress. We need a Congress of, of two houses, a Senate and a House of Representatives, not a, a Congress of two parties, Democrat and Republican. That is the biggest problem we have in Congress right now. Then he says, my client, another quote, has already made legally pr- protected disclosures. Legally, pr- In other words, he's already under whistleblower protection, or she. Uh, already made legally protected disclosures in this, internally at the IRS uh, through counsel to the U.S. Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration. So they're already under the protection of the Inspector General, but if the Inspector General is a total uh, Marxist, you know, suck up to the deep state, then that's not much protection at all. Uh, given the idiocracy of the people that are in the, the Brandon, you know, uh, regime, the illegal government, uh, I, 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 I want to see who this person is and see if they're actually able to offer any protection. Anyway, says uh, uh, Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration and to the Department of Justice. <laughs> if any department was misnamed, that's the one. And this Office of Inspector General, the protected disclosures, one, contradict sworn testimony to Congress by a senior political appointee. That's Merrick Garland, which we found out later in the next article, which I'll get to. Two, involve failure to mitigate clear conflicts of interest in the ultimate disposition of the case. And three, Detail examples of preferential treatment and politics improperly infecting decisions and protocols that would normally be followed by career law enforcement professionals in similar circumstances if the subject were not politically connected. In other words, Hunter Biden can do no wrong. Uh, Nobody's going to investigate him because he's the president, excuse me, he's Biden's son, so he gets protected, whereas anybody else would be immediately thrown in jail and, uh, you know, put on suicide watch and who knows how long they'd live. That would be, that would be uh, Epstein, <laughs> if we can use that as a, as a verb and a metaphor. So the article says the bombshell allegations have yet to be fleshed out by congressional investigations, investigators, but come as Republicans probe President, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, I misspoke. Republicans probe insurrection as Brandon's role in Hunter and first brother James Biden's foreign business dealings dating to their powerful relative's vice presidency. That would be Joseph R. Little, or Lytle, who previously requested, uh, represented ex-Twitter employee Yoel Roth, I'm not sure who that is, during the House Oversight Committee's probe of government pressure on social media companies to censor content, wrote that tax record privacy laws add a layer of complexity that will require guidance from Congress. And I got the last cool quote here, and then I'll, I'll get to, I've got another article here. Uh, it says, my client would like to share the same legally protected disclosures with Congress pursuant to 26 U.S.C. Section 610-6103-F5 and the protections afforded by blah, 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 that he has already shared with other oversight authorities. Uh, so we'll see what happens. So anyway, that's, that's that article. Well, let's get to the next one. Actually, some uh, i got to check my phone. It beeped during the course of this. Um, so I'd like to know. Uh, okay, looks good. All is well. Message is fine. Continuing on with the second article. I'm trying to get this in before Derek joins me in 10 minutes. New York Post, April 21st. Huh. Today, <laughs> Attorney Merrick Garland, uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland, is senior Biden official in Hunter Biden. I, I claim. See, I read this one first. Stephen Nelson, same dude. Dude, well, Washington. Attorney General Merrick Garland is the unnamed official whose sworn testimony before Congress is being challenged in a bombshell letter from an IRS whistleblower's attorney uh, that also alleges a cover-up in the Hunter Biden criminal investigation the Post has learned. In other words, Attorney General Merrick Garland is a liar. And he lied before Congress, which is a felony. So he should be arrested already. I mean, why hasn't he been arrested? Why hasn't Congress, uh, you know, filed charges to have him arrested? Good question. 
Attorney Mark Little, or Lytle, wrote Wednesday that the longtime IRS employee wants to provide information to congressional leaders to contradict sworn testimony to Congress by a senior political party, <laughs> Garland, <laughs> and also to detail preferential treatment in the criminal probe of the first son. In other words, why he hasn't been investigated like everybody else would have been. Article says the whistleblower already made disclosures to the inspectors general of the Treasury and Justice Departments. Well, I got more faith in Treasury. Not much, but some. Uh, I don't have any faith in the, the Justice Department because the Justice Department is run by Merrick Garland, the person who's accused of lying to Congress um, by the whistleblower. So do you think if you accuse the attorney general of lying before Congress, you're going to get great treatment from the inspector general uh, of the attorney general's office? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, now, they're supposed to be separate. Supposed to be. But how much? I don't know. I mean, did they go to lunch together? Does Merrick Garland and the attorney and the inspector general of the Justice Department go to lunch? Are they buds? Were they both a Waco? I don't know. I'm just asking the questions. Article says the whistleblower already made disclosures to the inspector. All right, I read that. However, due to a quirk of federal law, oh, here we go, he needs congressional approval to more fully describe his allegations to his own lawyers, which he wants to do before testifying to lawmakers. Yeah, exactly. You want the story on the record before they kill you. <laughs> I mean, I'm being blunt at this, but I'm serious. What do you think is going to happen? You accuse the attorney general of lying before Congress of committing a felony? You accuse uh, you know, the president's son, things we all know he's done, tax evasion, scandalous deals, plus everything else he's done that's illegal. There are consequences to doing stuff like that. Anyway, article says Garland has repeatedly claimed under oath that Delaware U.S. Attorney General, uh, U.S. Attorney David Weiss, a Trump administration holdover. Gee, I'm surprised he's still there. Good for him. Go for it, David. Uh, recommended in a 2017, guess what, five years ago, uh, six years ago. Recommended in 2017 by the state's Democratic senators uh, is able to criminally charge Hunter Biden without the permission of other Justice Department leaders, despite Republicans challenging the factual accuracy of that claim. See, this is interesting. Let me read that again. Garland has repeatedly claimed under oath that Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss, a Trump administration holdover, recommended in 2017 by the state's Democratic senators, this is where it's interesting, right, is able to criminally charge Hunter Biden without the permission of other Justice Department leaders. So uh, that's where it gets interesting. I'm, I'm surprised that Garland has repeated that. Uh, claimed an oath, you know. Uh, anyway, it's just interesting. Uh, despite Republicans challenging the factual accuracy of that claim. See, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. You know, it says that uh, Delaware Attorney General David Weiss is able to criminally charge Hunter Biden without the permission of other Justice Department leaders. I'm not sure why are that. Something that doesn't make sense with that. I'll have to, I'll have to puzzle that out. Anyway, Garland, April 2022, uh, last year, told the Senate Republican of Tennessee that there will not be interference of any political or improper kind in the investigation of Hunter Biden. Well, other than the fact that they're clearly covering up everything he did. Then it says he is the supervisor of this investigation, Garland said of Weiss, adding, we put, it, we put the investigation in the hands of a Trump appointee from the previous administration who was the U.S. attorney for the District of Delaware, and you have me as the attorney general who is committed to the independence of the Justice Department from any influence from the White House in criminal matters. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> they, they appointed, they can fire him. What do you mean not have influence? Right? It says in March, Senator Chuck Republican of Iowa, pressed Garland over whether Weiss was truly able to bring charges without the approval of other Justice Department officials. Okay, now it makes sense. Specifically, if the alleged crime occurred outside Delaware. So, quote, is in April 2022, uh, you, here we go, this is, this is Grassley talking, you testified to Senator Haggerty that the Hunter Biden investigation was in, insulated from political interference 
interference because it was assigned, as you just now told me, to the Delaware U.S. Attorney's Office, Grassley said at the time. However, that could be misleading. Quote, without special counsel authority, he could need permission of another U.S. attorney in certain circumstances to bring charges outside the District of Delaware. So in other words, the whistleblower, I guess, can't come forward uh, to one uh, U.S. attorney unless other U.S. attorneys or higher-ups say it's okay. That's a concern because that's how they can block it. Then it says, I would like clarification from you with respect to these concerns. The 70-year-old Garden, Garland, that's only seven years older than me, but he looks a lot older. (laughs) That's hope for me yet. The 70-year-old Garland, a former federal judge, uh, and they also left out the part about being uh, assistant deputy attorney general, you know, during the Waco massacre. You, you, New York Post, you forgot that little tidbit, so I'll put it in here. Seventy-year-old Garland replied that Weiss is able to charge Hunter Biden even for crimes that occurred outside Delaware. Well, that's interesting. So I guess uh, that's how any attorney, U.S. attorney, can charge anybody anywhere in the United States. I don't know if that's a good standard. I don't think so. Anyway, it says the U.S. attorney in Delaware has been advised that he has full authority to make those kinds of referrals that you're talking about or to bring cases in other jurisdictions if he feels it's necessary. And I will assure that if he does, he will be able to do that. Really? Grassley pressed, does the Delaware U.S. attorney lack independent charging authority over certain criminal allegations against the president's son outside of the District of Delaware? Hmm. Response, if it's in another district... He would have to bring the case in another district. But as I said, I promise to ensure he's able to carry out his investigation and that he is he be able to run it. And if he needs to bring it in another jurisdiction, he will have the full authority to do that. I think Garland's lying. I think he's lying. I don't think I don't think he has any intentions of letting any charges come to Biden because his boss, Joe, um, you know, wouldn't like it and would probably fire him. You know, I mean, so that that's I think I think Garland's lying through his teeth. Anyway, so during the back and forth, and Iowa, uh, the Iowa senator said, if Weiss must seek permission from a President Biden appointment, well, excuse me, they put parentheses, President parentheses, that's funny, if, uh, if Weiss must permission from a Biden-appointed U.S. attorney to bring charges, then the Hunter Biden criminal investigation isn't insulated from political interference, as you publicly proclaimed. Yeah, so there, Garland. Giving false testimony to Congress can be a crime punishable by up to five years in prison if it's proven that the error was intentional. So that's the hard part is proving it's intentional. Oh, I didn't know. I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I, I didn't know. Of course you knew. But let me just say it again. If Weiss must seek permission from a Biden-appointed U.S. attorney to bring charges. So in other words, uh, Weiss is, is Trump-appointed. So now it's starting to make sense, right? After I read these over and kind of think about them for a bit. So Weiss is Trump-appointed. They don't want a Trump-appointed U.S. attorney bringing charges against Joe Biden's son, you know, Democrat Joe Biden's son, Hunter. So they say that they need to have a Biden-appointed U.S. attorney to concur. Is that somehow bipartisan or something? I don't, I don't get it. You know, either, either a U.S. attorney can bring charges outside of their state or they can't. There's, there's no in-between here. It's got nothing to do with who, the, who is and what parties are involved. But that's what they're really saying. What they're, so what Garland is saying, yes, of course, Weiss can bring charges outside of Delaware you know, to accuse Hunter Biden of tax evasion in California or wherever else he calls his Virginia, South Carolina, whatever he calls his residence. Of course he can, knowing full well that uh, Garland is not going to let him do it. Well, that's lying to Congress. <laughs> if you say, of course they can, I'll back them up fully. And then behind the scenes, he says, no, forget it. We're not going to let any charges go forward. That's lying to Congress. and That's punishable by five years in prison. It'd be nice to see him in there. It'd be the best place for him. 
Have them meet the, the families of, uh, of uh, the relatives who were killed at Waco. That'd be a good start, too. Anyway, so it says the Justice Department declined to comment. Well, the Merrick Island is the Justice Department right now. Anyway, so the anonymous whistleblower has since early 2020 supervised the IRS's investigation of Hunter Biden since 2020. This is three years. How long is it going to take? Right. A hundred by alleged tax alleged tax evasion and related crimes linked to uh, the 53 year olds foreign income from countries, including China and Ukraine. Well, that'd be that'd be interesting enough just to see what he's got from all these places. How come they don't you know, how come no one calls to publish his tax records? That would be interesting. Well, maybe because he's under an under an ongoing investigation. He's insulated. So the Weiss's office reportedly is considering related charges against the first, first son involving money laundering and unregistered foreign lobbying, plus lying about drug use on a gun purchase form. Yeah, he's got a bunch of felonies lined up there. There's more to the article, but I'll let you read it. You know, it's on our, our there's a lot more to the article. I'll probably have this for Monday. Uh, our special investigations page uh, has all kinds of stuff on this. There's, there's things everywhere. Um, special investigations, economics, our legal page. I, I, this story's big. Uh, so wait for the so watch for the hearings and when the hearings come up, uh, I will definitely let you know and I'll be watching it myself. All right, Derek's going to be here in a minute, so let me just play this. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask to the answers no one has thought to consider the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Radio, dedicated to fixing everything. All right, so I'm just waiting for uh, Derek to pop up on the screen here. And as soon as he does, I'll go right to him because I want to talk money. 
And so Derek Park is our financial reporter here uh, at Action Radio, located in Pace, Florida. He'll give you his phone number um, so you can, uh, you can talk to him directly uh, off the air about your own situation. We don't give financial advice. We don't do stuff like that. He does, <laughs> but not here. Uh, here we just talk about issues and things. So let me see if I can get this. Uh, Peter Navarro has a, has a sub stack. And uh, he's got an article here, How Rupert Murdoch and Fox News Blew the Voting Machine Lawsuit. So let me scroll down until I get to the good part here and see if I'll, uh, how much of this I can get in um, before, um, uh, before Derek gets here. Uh, so it says in, in the current you – know, I suppose I'll start at the beginning. Otherwise, it won't make sense. He says – he says, he says, I'm Peter Navarro, and in this edition of the Taking Back Trump's America podcast, the podcast and Substack, I'm going to slap you a little bit. Oh, there's Derek. <laughs> okay. Now, I don't have to read the Rupert, Rupert Murdoch basically, uh, you know, called uh, Fox News a bunch of cowards, which is what we've been doing, you know, the, the whole week, too, uh, and saying that uh, my, my contention is Fox News, rather than use the truth that the election was stolen. Uh, in their defense against this ridiculous lawsuit by Dominion voting machines, whose machines stole the election, uh, they would rather say uh, they would rather pay uh, blackmail uh, money. Uh, they would rather, you know, to uh, to maintain the lie that the election wasn't stolen uh, and keep their good graces with the deep state. So they've surrendered to the deep state. They've surrendered to Dominion. They've certainly surrendered the truth. They've surrendered the First Amendment. They've surrendered everything, really. Um, and uh, and they're paying, you know, for for the uh, for the reason that now they don't have to tell the truth where the truth would have set them free. It's always the same case. The truth will set you free, and the truth would have set Fox News free of $787 million of bribe money uh, so that uh, Dominion won't say nasty things about them. All right, let's get to Derek Park. Let's talk about uh, money and finance. Maybe even talk about that. Uh, that might be a good thing to do. Derek, good morning, sir. Hey, good morning. How are you doing? I'm on a roll. In fact, I'm, I'm really glad that, that you're here and that uh, Rebecca's here in the next hour and Candace is here in the hour after that. I've just done two days of three-hour marathons where all, all my reporters are out doing stuff. <laughs> so I'm sick of talking. I really am. Um, yeah. But let's, let's, uh, let's get to this, uh, this lawsuit. Uh, it, I don't know if it's affected the market at all or whether they're just laughing at it, but is there any economic consequence or fallout of Fox News playing almost, paying almost a billion dollars to Dominion voting machines? <laughs> Without getting, I don't have to get into politics I, with you, but uh, what do you think? I haven't seen anything like that, and I would say uh, right now, um, you know, I mean, I don't see any impact. Um, it seems like everybody's focused on earnings. Um, you know, I mean, you've had like a Tesla had a miss. Um, um, there was a bunch of others that, uh, and I can't remember off the top of my head. Okay, let me, um, can I see the car right back here? Your line's breaking up and getting a little crackly. Um, is is that better? Is that where I'm at it's now? Still- or? It's still popping a little bit. There's, uh, how, do, how do I sound to you? Do I sound pretty clear? You sound clear. Yeah. Do, okay. do you want me to call back in? Yeah, just this. call right back in. Just, just, just hang up and call right back. Let's, okay. let's try that. Yep. All right, thanks. Appreciate it. There we go. Okay, so he'll uh, – there we go. So let's get him right back. But uh, then we'll get into the financial report. Yeah, I was wondering if there would be any fallout from that. Uh, the political fallout is massive. You know, the fact that they've surrendered the First Amendment, that they've, they've paid off uh, the people that stole the election so they won't have to tell the truth about the election. So it, it's a fast. I've never seen anything like this where there's a payoff uh, of an organization so they won't have to tell the truth. Whereas if they told the truth, they yeah. don't have to pay anything. Uh, there we go. He's back now. OK, so, um, yeah, so that's the, so the, the, the political fallout. Uh, and the uh, First Amendment fallout from the Fox side is massive. But I'm guessing just because there's not an, uh, an economic fallout on, on the markets. In other words, did Fox lose massive financial 
uh, support backing or share price or anything like that? Was there any consequence to them? No, for, I mean, I, I haven't seen anything yet. Huh. Okay. I mean, that's you know, not I mean, to say that anything won't, won't be there, but, um, you know, yeah. for the for the most part, I mean, I haven't seen any impacts that would, that would uh, you know, shake the markets just yet. Okay. How about Dominion voting machines? Are they publicly traded? Do they have uh, their own um, stock thing on the market? I don't believe so. Huh. Yeah. See, I think they're based in Denver, so they're, I think they're a domestic company, but we've also heard they've got operations in Venezuela, Canada. They probably start, they might have started somewhere else. I'm just curious. Is that possible to look up real quick? See if they have yeah, I'm a, looking if it they're, up. If they're traded? Yeah, okay. I'm looking, I'm looking on, on um, my work system to see if, mm-hmm. uh, if there is any there. Um, I guess it would be on the Dominion Voting Machine Systems or something like that. I mean, since they're going to get almost a billion dollars and stealing the election, which guarantees all the government contracts for those that want to steal the election. That's me talking, folks, not Derek. I just want to let you know there. Yeah, yeah it doesn't, doesn't look like they're publicly traded. So now, for a company that big, and we're just speaking in general terms here, for a company that big that makes voting machines that are used in elections all across the world, actually, how can they not mm-hmm. be publicly traded? Are they privately held? I'm going to look them up myself. 787 million settlement with the, yeah, so I'm looking at this. Um, Legal Observer said the agreement was the largest. Um, yeah, it doesn't, it wants me to buy this article and <laughs> microcharges like are freaking taking care of, taking control of the system now. What's happened now? I nothing. It's just like if you go into the news and you're not a subscriber, they won't let you read. Oh, I have that. Uh, that happens to me all the time. I'll tell you. Here's the secret. What you do is you you copy the headline of the article that uh, that they won't let you read, and you put that mm-hmm. into a search. And most of these articles are reprinted on sites that don't have you uh, subscribe to to read the article. And they'll say reprint yeah. from. That's how I read my Wall Street Journal in New York Times. <laughs> I can't. I can't afford to subscribe to 50 publications of all the things that I research for this show. No way. So I do. Yeah. So I'll find a headline. I'll, I'll search a headline. I'll copy the headline, put it in, and there's a free source. There's another. There's somebody else. There's usually four to five uh, that have reprinted the good articles that I want anyway, and I just use those sources. I quote the source on the show, New York Times through yeah. you know X Y Z website, um, so that uh, so there's no copyright infringement. There's no problem. Uh, with citing folks, but that's how you do it. That's how you get around subscriptions. Right. If you're, yeah, they, if you're uh, not, I, you know. I mean, I'm pretty sure Fox will appeal that, uh, you know, the, uh, you think, you know, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no question. On, on, okay. So on what basis would they appeal? Because they didn't, they never had to, uh, they went out, they could have used the truth. They could have said, we reported that Dominion, you know, uh, could have stolen the election with uh, voting machines that have internet capability and everything else, as reported by all the Democrats back in 2016. I mean, there's, there's plenty of recordings yeah. of Hillary and uh, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Bernie Sanders. All these folks talked about, you know, they stole the election for Trump. So it's well known. Right. It's in the public. It's a reasonable thing to yeah. say um, from the Democrats. It's a reasonable thing to say from Trump. So why is that not a defense that, that Fox was reporting what a lot of other people were saying? 
Yeah, I, I'm not sure, you know, specifically what they're going to appeal, but how often do you see people that have a lawsuit that don't appeal? That's true, but but so my contention that's, that's, is that's, just that's uh, yeah, no, it makes sense. But they never had to pay it in the first place. All they had, to, they never even put on defense. I mean, they they'd already picked their jury. They're ready to go to opening right. statements, and then they settled. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. this is the, and, I, and I post this. This is a January six moment. This is a, you know, don't watch the, uh, the people, you know, wandering around upstairs, you know, dressed in Viking outfits. You know, look what's going on under the Capitol where the arms are being twisted to vote for Brandon and to uh, totally dismiss the Trump electors. That is, it's that mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's like, what's really going on? Who got to who? Who got to Fox and said, you better not bring this lawsuit forward. You better settle this right now. That's my suspicion. Right. You know, in, in my, this is my conspiracy tinfoil, tinfoil hat moment for this morning. Something happened. Somebody got to Fox. I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. All right, let's let's talk economics. Let's get to the report and uh, tell me what we think of what's uh, what's going on. Okay, um, hold on just a second. I was somewhere else on my. <laughs> Are we all? <laughs> yeah. We're always somewhere else here. Well, I was a little. It was a couple minutes late this morning. Um, oh no problem. Do, do you want to get to it a bit later, or have you got to just, just no, take a second to pull it, it up? Just, okay. Just takes me a minute to get to it. You know when our. When our system is cooperating, okay. So, so it's a it's a Monday for my system, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, I'm going to go take a run to um, to Matt Gates' office uh, sometime this afternoon or this morning, well, or late this morning. I haven't decided which, but um, I want to go there and, and present. You know, because uh, they haven't talked to me for a while. I've called them, I've emailed, I've tried to get an appointment, but I'm going to present our, our vaccine liability uh, end of big tech censorship and uh, constitutional amendment um, to take away the power of Congress to borrow money and say, hey, you guys want to support these? <laughs> They're going to be there in person. So I'll let you right. know what happens. On, I'll let you know what happens after uh, that. I'll post that on Facebook. So uh, that's that's my goal for today. So all you folks who haven't uh, sent in your vaccine product liability from the, the stadium last Friday when I – did you hear what I did Friday, last Friday night? Did you hear about this? You may not have. You you had told me about it. Okay, so I got the whole stadium to uh, go to my website, copy the link to our vaccine bill, uh, get Matt Gates, you know, uh, email um, thing, contact Matt Gates website, and send it in. I I don't know how many people did. No one's told me, so we'll find out. Anyway, so I'm gonna go talk yeah. to him person okay. and say, hey, here, let's see what happens. So what you got now? What's what's happening economically? All right. All right, uh, here's the report. Uh, good morning, everybody. This is Derek Park with the Action Radio. Uh, financial report. The market fell on mixed earnings uh, results and contradictory economic data. Equity markets fell today as the earnings season uh, fails to shore up investor sentiment, and the April Philly Fed Manufacturing Index contracted more than expected. Tesla led the technology-heavy NASDAQ lower as results of contracting margins and falling probability after a recent round of price cuts for its vehicles. Everywhere in the economy, uh, continuing an initial jobs report came in higher than expected and taken with the Philly Fed manufacturing index slowdown are causing concern among investors that the economy could be slowing and heading towards a recession. As a result, Treasury yields fell more than pronounced uh, in the short end of the curve when the two-year Treasury yield was down, uh, driving some of the bull steepening on the curve. On the international front, the equity markets or European equity markets were lower and Asian shares were mixed. The price of oil is trading at about $77 a barrel, barrel as for demand forecast drop and the dollar strengthens. 
U.S. equities Page closed two. down today. Let's see. <laughs> yeah. The Dow closed down 109 points, or 0.32%, to 33,788. And the NASDAQ closed down 98 points, or 0.8%, uh, 0.8% to 12,060. And the S&P 500 closed down 25 points, or 0.59, to 4130. Again, the uh, 10-year Treasury yields are trading at 3.54%, lower by 0.06%. In the commodity markets, the price of oil was down $2.09, or 2.64%, to 77.15. And the spot price of gold was up $7.30, or 0.36, to 2014.60. This is Terry Park of the Action Radio Financial Report. You can get me at 850-995-0082. You have to memorize that so I can give it more often. But uh, anybody who wants to get his phone number, then uh, just go to the podcast. You should be able to to get it from there. Um, this is interesting. Now the price of gas around here has dropped a little bit. It was three forty five, I think, last week. Now it's down to about three thirty eight, three thirty seven, depending on where you go. I'm, I'm kind of an Exxon fan because of the Tecrolene to keep my slightly older car, you know, cleaner, which seems to work out pretty well. A little plug for Exxon. So you can support Action Radio by contacting me directly. I will tell you how, Exxon. Thank you very much. Um, But the price of oil, $77. In this environment, the Saudis have cut production. How is this possible? What's, what's the, so there's, there's lower supply. We don't have our strategic petroleum reserve. That was given away to uh, keep the, the price down into China. Uh, the Saudis and the Russians have cut back half a million barrels, what, a day or a week or whatever it is, or a month. I'm not sure, but they've cut back. How is it that oil is only $77 a barrel? Um, you know, I'd have to dig into it. I mean, I'm not really sure. I know the I know the Saudis and, and OPEC cut production, which uh, should spike. We're going into the summer season, which should spike. Um, you know, but oil tends to not do well when there's recession in the cars. Um, you know, because people oh. bottle up and drive them. You know, okay, so, yeah. Um, I well, I was just thinking that. Uh, uh, no, go ahead. Recession with recession on the on the move or or possibly still in the cars, I personally still believe that um, you know we might see a what they call a rolling recession or you know one that um, we kind of we kind of move right through. It doesn't seem with jobs kind of being resilient and and you know banks being resilient. It doesn't seem like um, you know it's going to be this this big hurricane that a lot of people are thinking is going to happen. Well, considering, as far as I'm concerned, we've been in a recession since pretty much Brandon took office because everything he did set the stage for one. They borrowed trillions of dollars. They cut our energy supply. They ruined the supply lines. Um, they uh, did everything that they could. They've raised taxes. They've raised regulations. Um, they've, they've pushed us into electric cars with subsidies, pushed electricity with it for a grid that can't handle it. Uh, and so they've done everything possible to ruin the economy. Why, why wouldn't we have right. a recession? <laughs> you know, but the idea, but how many, for how many weeks do you think they've said heading towards recession? I'll bet you it's a year and a half to two years, probably a year and a half, that, that, that those three words, heading towards recession, have been in the report when you, when you and I, well, at least I know, you know that we're, we're in one. I mean, because I know economic yeah. activity is being restricted. There's fewer cars on the road. You know, the, the, in fact, the, the oil price proves that there's a recession. Because, and just, just anecdotal evidence. There are fewer cars on the road. It's easier to get around. You know, yeah. People aren't driving yeah. as much. Yeah. So how can they say that, you know, they just, how, how can they say that we're, we're heading towards it? 
unless they're just afraid of that word, you know. And and if you say that we're in a recession, does the economy all of a sudden change? Oh my God, we're in a recession. Or are people reacting to the like twenty to thirty percent rise in food prices and everything else? So you can say inflation six, seven percent, but you look at what the cost of goods is around here. You know, I've watched you know just oh, yeah. my, my my favorite Tropicana orange juice, for example, uh, is up at least twenty five to thirty five percent in the last year. Oh yeah, and that's yeah, just one. For I, sure. Yeah. So uh, it's great for my weight loss. <laughs> I'm just, you know, just well, I can't afford that. So let's, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll skip on that. We'll get the smaller quantity this week. Drink more water. Yeah, you know? right, <laughs> but, right. Um, but, it, but in terms of the economy, to, so to say that we're not in a recession is, is stupid, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 I don't, you know, I mean, I, I would argue that, uh, you know, I mean, I, I believe that we have been in a recession. I would say that there is some mitigating criteria that would kind of, you know, make it worse. Um, you know, i.e. the unemployment, um, you know, that, that normally does spike when you're, when you're in a recession, doesn't necessarily have to spike hard, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But it, but it does. Um, and we needed to move at least another half a percent before we could say that, uh, you know, it, it, this is, this is, you know, I guess officially a recession. You know, it's interesting with unemployment. We're uh, you, you got to throw on the COVID factor, and so I had Ed Dowd on the show, and he was fascinating. And I've watched him on other specials, but we have a weird situation now where there's a ridiculous amount of people who are disabled, who are out of work. So unemployment is measured. The, the measurement that you get, the U six or whatever it is, uh, is is a survey of people that are looking for work. Well, if you're disabled, you're not looking for work. So if you're disabling literally millions of people with, with the COVID jab, again, this is my opinion on this, um, that uh, you're going to have a lower unemployment rate simply because even though, um, even though the, there's jobs out there, you know, people aren't looking for work. And if you're not looking for work, you're not counted as unemployed. So the real thing to look at is the, is the, is the worker participation rate. That's mm. the indicator. So I'm gonna, how many people are, are of working age and how many are working compared to three years ago? Is that possible to look up or should we do it another week? Um, I, you know, I'd have to do some digging. I would say, you know, let's, let's, let's do that another time. It's not that I don't want to, it's just like I I spend time sitting here looking for data. Yeah. I don't want you to do that. I'd rather talk to you. It's more fun to chat. We can always do another week. So let me put on, let me put on for next week. Oh, you're off next week. Yes. So let's put on for the following week, which is May 5th. Cinco de Mayo. Hey, buenos dias, Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> this would be fun. Mm-hmm. So that'd be kind of fun. So I'm going to do a Cinco de Mayo show and talk about how uh, another uh, holiday that Americans celebrate that uh, Mexico doesn't because Mexican Independence Day is like September 16th. <laughs> Something like that. Mm-hmm. So let's go, Derek. And it's going to write down here, work, worker participation. I'll look it up myself, of course, because I'm curious. But would that be, let's just put this way, would that be a better measure rather than the unemployment rate at this particular point? I mean, I think it might give you more thorough data. Okay. All right. Anyway, so I'm just making a little note to myself here. All right. So, yeah, that's what I figured. Okay. Well, let's talk about a couple other things. Well, first of all, anything on your mind that you want to talk about? I should probably ask you this more often. But uh, no, any no, I mean, I don't, I don't have anything specific. No, when you when you get into other topics, you know, I mean, I typically will will, will say things that I that I feel a little bit more strongly about. Okay. Um, how about the IRS whistleblower, um, the whole case of uh, the protection in, in government or the IRS in general, um, tax collections, things like that. Has that 
shown up or people writing about New York Post has got this covered. But it turns out, as I've always believed, that Merrick Garland's a liar. <laughs> He's a felon for lying to Congress. He's, they're covering it for Hunter Biden. There's a lot more there. Um, but uh, the IRS in general, are they reaching, you know, is anybody worried the government's not going to collect up money? Um, or things that the IRS are not, they're not, they're, they're treating people unfairly. Are, are people being persecuted, prosecuted, investigated because they're conservative and let off because they're liberal? Is there any kind of talk like that? Um, there's no, t- I'm sure there's, there's articles already. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But there's, there's, there's nothing that, um, <clears throat> there's nothing that's affecting the markets per se right now. Okay. Um, there's a gas shortage in, in South Florida I was hearing about. Is that because of the weather or is there some supply problem? Do you know anything about that? I don't actually. I haven't, I haven't seen anything. And I mean, I, I perused the, uh, the, the news articles pretty, pretty thorough. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, it's new. This is, this is all brand new stuff. And the thing I just heard this morning, uh, I, I get one American news right before I go on the air. So the, the six to seven hour I can pick, I, I'll pick up, you know, a bunch of stories. Uh, Hyundai and Kia, uh, I've heard about this before. The cars are easy to steal. Uh, I've heard uh, the news reporter, uh, one American news reporter, on, on that social media. You can actually go on social media and find out how to steal them. And they're facing mm-hmm. a big recall. So what's going on? What's going on in Auto World? I have. I, I know that some of their cars are easier to steal. Yes. Um, I haven't seen it affect their stock price or anything yet. Hmm. What, how do recalls? Do recalls affect? Uh, company stock because it yeah. seems to me it yeah. should actually increase it because they're fixing a problem, but other people might see it as an expense. So it might lower their stock. What, what happens with recalls? Um, it depends on how bad the recall is and what the recall does. You know, okay. I mean, if you take, uh, okay. you know, what was going on with, uh, with Ford, with those Firestone tires, for example, you mm-hmm. know, where, where the tires were popping and vehicles were flipping, um, you know, I mean that, that, because people were dying, that was like that, that turned into a, a monster problem for Ford. Um, you know, then they had, uh, what was it? The Takata airbags in GMs and Hondas and, you know, I mean, in Toyotas, it got, hell, it got the whole industry. Um, you know, I mean, that, that was, uh, bad because airbags were just popping and breaking people's arms and, you know, get, breaking people's noses. And, well, initially they killed know, babies they, because they were, I don't, I don't mean to get too graphic this morning, but they were decapitating kids. That's why they moved kids to the back seat. The air, airbags yeah, were coming yeah. out so ferociously, um, that they had to put, that's why they put kids in the back seat, folks, because the airbags were killing them. Uh, and yet right. rather than fix the airbags or, or get rid of the airbags or make them optional, uh, they they kept the airbags and insist everybody put the kids in the back seat and now they're being left there because uh, people who don't normally take their kids you know with them are going to work and leaving the leaving the kids in the parking lot and they're dying so uh, you know there's there's all these unintended consequences that people don't think about mm-hmm. they just don't want to fix yeah. rather than fix the problem with the airbags you know but anyway so uh, okay I was just curious huh yeah I don't remember Firestone I don't remember the tires I remember Toyota had a problem with accelerators that would just accelerate. And cars were crashing because people oh, didn't know how to stop their cars. Yeah. And, and of course, my first response is, you know, don't you get trained in neutral? <laughs> you put your car in neutral. <laughs> the engine can rev, rev as yeah. fast as it wants. You're not going anywhere. Uh, or if you have a stick shift, you know about gearing down? Hello. How about the parking brake as well as the, uh, the regular brakes? Do, do people know how, this is just between you and me question. Do people know how to drive anymore? <laughs> are, they, are they taught anything about vehicles at all? Yeah, no, I mean, um, not really, I would say. I mean, yeah, you know, I, my first vehicle that I learned how to drive was a stick shift. Mm-hmm. What was it? Do you remember? I bet you do. Who was? Just, what? 
What, what was it? What did you learn? It. I'm just curious. Where or what? What? What, what kind of car? Uh, Ford Ranger. <laughs> that, that was a stick shift. Well, that's interesting. I had a VW Bug. Well, I mean, you know, yeah. I had a '64 had, Bug. Uh, what was it? it was, was that ninety? God, it was like a '92 or '93 um, Ford Ranger in 1994 and then um yeah i had another one when i was in college i was in college in you know from you know well it was my senior college days but from 2000 to 2003 i had a uh or 2002 really it was a uh, uh, 97 ford ranger and it was a stick shift single cab interesting so did you did you serve before college or after college i think you went you must have been before during, 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 and and after. I mean, um, so in okay. college, I was in a program that's that's like the National Guard, but basically, it is the National Guard. Um, okay. And then, you know, I mean, you. That's how I had to to do my scholarship because I was I already had an associate's degree, and I was mm-hmm. two years ahead of the ROTC program. So my option was go in the guard, um, and then you know finish out career if I wanted to commission as an officer. That was the only way that was available. Hmm. What rank did you did you finish up with? If you don't mind me asking, I'm just curious. O four, major. Which one? O four. What's that? O four, major. Major. Cool. Okay. Um, so for all those that are complaining about college and student loans and things like that, um, how viable is this? Uh, can most people get uh, their college paid for by by going through the military, or is it much more selective now, especially with the obesity problem? I would say actually, I would argue because of recruiting concerns that it's probably more open. Um, you know, so, so I got, you know, I went, uh, I went up to the RTC department in, uh, 2000. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I, I was trying to go to college and, you know, senior college was more expensive. Um, you know, so, you know, I, I went and kind of sold my soul to the army, but I went up there cause I, my dad knew that they had something called hip pocket scholarships. I don't know if Mm -hmm. they're called that anymore. And what they do, what the army does is say, okay, we've got an RTC department, they go to the to the what's called the PMS, the Professor of Military Science. There, that's an active duty lieutenant colonel position, and they mm-hmm. say, okay, you've got um, you know twenty scholarships per year that you can. I don't know how many. I'm just making up a number, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that you can just assign to people that you deem worthy, right? You know, and normally that's I'll call it the good old boy program. People that right. alumni that have been there, they know they can call up there and say you know, hey, I vouch for this person, you know, put them into the assessment process. Um, you know, and they do do an assessment. They want it. They do a physical fitness test. They ask you a bunch of questions. You have to fill out a questionnaire, you know, and they, they see if you're really worthy for it. You know, the mm-hmm. fact that my father retired out of there, that's a, that's, that's good news. <laughs> right. You know, so, okay. um, you know, my father had lineage there, but yeah, all of them, all of them do that. Um, you know, I, I almost got my niece in at one point in time, but she decided to go a different route. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so yeah, it's a, it's a viable option. Um, if they don't have any available, typically the way the option works is, um, you go up there, you apply, if you're accepted and you don't complete the program, you owe the military an eight year enlistment, um, oh, wow. you know, or, or, well, or four years active duty, four years inactive reserve. Right. So you, right, owe them, right. you owe them, um, typically it's a year per year they pay or two years per year they pay for school. Right. It's, okay. Is, is how it makes sense. But the minimum, yeah. the minimum is a four year enlistment, you know, so, um, you know, when you sign that contract, cause they pay you while you go to school, you know, back when right. I did it, it was, uh, uh, 
I was paid by the ROTC program, not the National Guard. So, uh, but because I was in the Guard or what was called an S&P program, um, you know, I got like a little bit of an extra stipend, which most people in ROTC got 300 bucks a month. I got um, 450, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so 450 bucks a month to go to school. That's not bad. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Know. Yeah. And they pay for school too. So yeah, yeah that's, well, this is what I'm thinking that's it. because yeah. uh, with the cost of student loans these days, that's something that, uh, you know, people should look more into. And I think had I not been, uh, at, um, in new England, you know, in a liberal town in Lexington, Massachusetts, where I went to high school and the university of Massachusetts out in Amherst, you know, both very liberal places in liberal New England where the military is not, you know, particularly well thought of. We didn't have any recruiting offices in our town. Uh, I, don't, I think the nearest one was right. like two or three towns away. You know, they just didn't because, right. you know, they certainly did. You know, the only people that came to our school was, the, I think, the, the Navy band, their jazz band came there. But uh, the recruiters right. never came. They never talked to us, you know. And, right. uh, and my band director was the radio operator in World War II. You know, so I went to high school in the 70s. Uh, and so, so for him, you know, been in, he was in his, I guess, sixties, he was getting ready to retire in a few years, maybe fifties, but whatever it was, you know, that was, I was with the world war II generation. I was with the greatest generation. They were, you know, getting near retirement age. Um, and so those are the folks that I was exposed to some of them, but even so the, the general attitude was, you know, whatever you do, don't join the military. Uh, it, it was quite fascinating, but, um, I think, you know, in, under different circumstances, and if I'd actually been born in this country, I think there's a good chance I would have done it. Uh, I wanted to be a fighter pilot, but again, the eyesight kind of took that out. And so, and if I can't be a fighter pilot, you know, what do you, what else you got? <laughs> yeah, you can talk to the recruiters. What else you got? Go ahead, make them a deal. Yeah. Come on, what do you got? You got to give me something here. Okay, fine. You know, anyway, and they didn't. So, like, <laughs> okay, fine. So that's what happened there. Anyway, I got my other guests for the next hour. Um, any any advice for the economy for this week, or things to look for, or uh, you know, I mean, recession isn't the worst thing in the world. <laughs> it's just a, it's just an economic problem, but there are ways out of it. But uh, that's that's my advice yeah. on that. But, uh, well, yeah, I, yeah. The only the only advice I give is is all recessions haven't been bad. You know, if we are in a recession here, or we're going to call it a recession. There's been 14 since Great Depression. Uh, out of the 14 since the Great Depression, seven of those um, were were end of the year positive. You know, so um, you know, basically half of them have been bad, right? Um, is kind of a way to look at it. And out of the half that have been bad, only really three have been, you know, have been uh, catastrophes. So uh, don't worry about recession. You know what I mean? Uh, there's a, there's a, uh, uh, with the guy that ran the most successful mutual fund, Peter something or other, um, uh, basically <laughs> said, famous, huh? <laughs> I can't remember his last name. It was the Magellan Fund at Fidelity um, is what it was. It was the most successful by, by time, but it ended up falling apart after he left. Um, but uh, he basically said most people lose more money preparing for recessions than the actual recession causes. Oh, um, you know, so yeah, it's, and it's, people hear the word, and especially because of 08, 09, they panic. Um, you know, so um, I would say don't panic, stay calm. You know, uh, take advice from your advisor, and and you'll get through it. Makes sense to me. And we can reach you yep. how uh, at eight five zero nine nine five zero zero eight two. There we go. Don't be afraid to uh, always, always, always uh, give yourself a shameless plug. All right, sir. Let's do it uh, in two weeks. Yep. Have a good time next week. All right. We'll see you. Yes, sir. There Bye-bye. we go. There we go. Derek Park, uh, who is our financial reporter here at Action Radio. I have both my guests uh, on the line right now, but I figured I'd give them the, the proper introduction. Uh, I think uh, Rebecca's already heard this, but uh, just in case, let's get our, our two guests of the day. Rebecca Charles and Marie Clark. 
so this is, uh, I was talking to Rebecca recently, uh, and we're going to make a regular report. Although I want to celebrate both of them being on the show, this is not, you know, what I would call a happy hour. This is not a, uh, but it, it's an inspiring hour. It's a, a situation where we take tragedies uh, and we turn them into positive action. And so that's what I want to do. Rebecca Charles has a website, uh, Death by Hospital Protocol. And so I congratulate for her for her work, but I'm, I'm sorry that because of what happened to her daughter, she's doing this work. And so, Rebecca, I'm going to put you up first, and I'm going to get Maria, uh, Marie next. So, Rebecca, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Greg. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a pleasure, um, but it's also necessary. And so, you know, I want to, I don't want to be, you know, uh, too like, you know, how can I put this exactly? But we want to be inspiring. Uh, and even though we have a tragedy that we have to deal with. And in fact, I was talking off the air um, that uh, COVID and the hospital protocols have affected me personally, too. Our webmaster, uh, Eric Colley, the creator of writeyourlaws.com, was killed by his hospital a year ago, February. Uh, my very good friend, uh, Dr. Peter Pry, uh, I can't prove it, but mm-hmm. I absolutely believe he was, he was killed by the COVID jab. Uh, his cancer came back you know, raging about six months after he got those shots, which he needed for travel and, you know, outside the United States. And so uh, this affects me personally, uh, plus the fact that I've been involved in this, yeah. you know, for, for three years where we uh, um, basically solved all the problems with COVID um, for the government, for the media, for everybody in about two weeks. You know, so from the, uh, the time I had COVID uh, initially uh, in January, the beginning of January, before anybody knew what it was. And so I, I had this, this weird cough that wouldn't go away. I had all the symptoms that I found out later. It's like, oh, I had COVID. Okay, well, now I'm immune because I had COVID, so I don't have to worry about it, right? But uh, I, I coughed. I've got the shows that sound terrible. I mean, I really do. I was asking for guest hosts and everything. It was pretty wild. And we all had this bug that was going around, and nobody knew what it was, right? We found out later, mm-hmm. that, oh, that was COVID, you know? And so uh, it, was, it was strange. I, you know, I had to sleep sitting up and uh, all these other things that happened. Um, but uh, two days of rest, and I was fine. And I was 60 at the time, so I was no spring chicken, you know. And so just uh, but being naturally healthy and a decent immune system, you know, I, I got over it and uh, just carried on. And then when all this other nonsense came out, um, first of all, Trump uh, banned travel from China. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's nice. That was the end of January. Mid-February, well, actually late February, we had Bill Gertz on the show. Bill Gertz is the Washington Times uh, national security reporter. And Dr. Peter Pry is the one that brought him on, and we heard about the Wuhan lab. So we knew about the Wuhan lab February 25th of 2020. Um, two days later, February 27th, I wrote a bill for Congress. And Marie, just to let you know, we write uh, citizen legislation here. This is what separates us from every other show on the planet. Uh, and I'll get into that in a little bit, but I want to let you guys talk first. But uh, just to give you a quick history for, for Marie, too, that February 27th, I wrote a bill saying that uh, only half of Congress's COVID money could be spent on, on vaccines, which I didn't believe in. Uh, because of what happened in the 90s with uh, anthrax, Gulf War syndrome, things like that. So I was already anti-vax before this even started. And so then I said that the other half had to be spent on early treatments because I'd already read the protocol by uh, D.D. Rowlett, and I knew the chloroquine uh, killed COVID. So we already had a treatment. Well, if you've got a treatment, you don't need a vaccine because it's just stupid. So I broadcast that March 2nd of 2020, and I was promptly banned by uh, big tech. And it's been oppressed ever since. And here we are. Three years later, still trying to break through censorship for telling the truth back March 2nd. Uh, and ever since then, on pretty much every show uh, since then. Well, with that, let me welcome Marie Clark to the show. Marie, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me, Greg. 
Oh, it's a pleasure. So I'm going to kind of turn this over to Rebecca, um, and you guys, you know, you can tell me your story, get people caught up on what's happening, talk about your website, talk to, you know, you can talk to Marie directly, and just, uh, I'm just going to kind of sit back for a bit here and, and listen to you guys. So Rebecca, uh, let me let you uh, uh, tell your story again, and, uh, and let's, uh, let's uh, inform folks what's going on. Yeah, well, I'll start with August 27th, 2021. Um, I check. You know, my daughter, Paul Sox. I don't want to repeat everything again. but um, No, you don't have to. People I, can see our yeah, previous show. You can just, uh, I'm more interested in the, in the website. But, uh, you know, like I say, you can introduce yourself however you want to. But don't feel you have to repeat the whole story. Because we do have a show on yeah, that. No, You've already done you. it. So uh, it's, a, it's okay. But to just give folks, a, yeah. uh, you know, a, just a brief introduction. Yeah. So my life changed in 2027, knowing that the safest place in the world turned out to be the unsafest place in the world, pretty much a kill and feel, a genocide, and it took my daughter life 40 years, 40 days afterwards. So um, coming out of, you know, out of all of this and confusion and realizing that this was premeditated murder, I decided to fight for justice because no one is allowing reviews on the hospital website. They took down our review of the hospital, what they did. Oh, and really? People... Yeah. Wait a minute. You yeah. you can do Yelp reviews of everything, but there's no reviews of hospitals anymore. Well, when you write it on the hospital review website, they take it uh-huh. down. Well, isn't so that special? I decide- mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is a story from many people who lost their loved ones in the hospital to the hospital protocol that mm-hmm. you cannot write your reviews there. Um, so I decided to have a safe place and um, take action, which is what I'm doing, and build a mm-hmm. website to for all Americans, and this is for all Americans to go to, it's a public service that you could check on that website, the hospital, the doctor, before you enter into a hospital or go to a doctor's office and see if he was involved in the protocol, if he murdered anyone, you know. So this is where my vision came, that people need to know the truth. People need to know a safe place to go. So people can actually write their story on your website. They can name the doctors. They can name the nurses. They can name the hospitals. They can give all the details. Is that how it works? Yes. Yes. And I also want the images of them. I don't want them hiding their faces behind a mask. I want the world to see who they are. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Well, we're all about uh, exposure here and, and telling the truth and then using that information to write corrective legislation. I've already written the legislation two years ago. Vaccine product liability mm-hmm. is, is the biggest one. Uh, and the other one is uh, our bill on to, that would eliminate big tech censorship. Those two bills alone uh, would change everything. And had they come out when I wrote them two years ago, we wouldn't be in this position. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. What's the name of your website? It's called deathbyhospitalprotocol.com. I, I want have, that out there now um, so people can look it up as we're talking if they want to sort of okay. check it out. Mm-hmm. So deathbyhospitalprotocol.com. And it's on, uh, yeah. uh, for those that are in our Action Radio vaccine group, it's private uh, for the simple reason that I don't want it sabotaged like our uh, Dr. Zelenko Action Radio Coronavirus Clearinghouse was disabled by Facebook for telling the truth on hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and everything else. So, so, so I'm, I'm here with you 100%. I know exactly, although I haven't lost directly a family member, I've lost very close friends. Uh, and I've seen what's, mm-hmm. what's been going on with this since the very beginning, since Dr. Fascist, as we call him, that evil, probably the most evil person uh, in this yeah. century. Uh, yeah. He's allowed to do what he's done. Yeah. So I'm with you. Well, we need to put an end to this. And I believe hurting them in their pockets is how we could put an end to it. Mm-hmm. If people stop going to the hospitals and people stop going to these doctor's offices who were involved, 
they're going to start losing money. Yeah, it's hard to think that the, the worst thing you can do if you get sick is go to a hospital. I mean, that's counterintuitive. Today, peop- yeah, today people are petrified, even ones who were not involved with a loved one, you know, being you know, killed in a hospital. People are petrified to go into a hospital today. I was. I had to have a you know your your over fifty colon check you know, and I was scared to go simply because not because of the check because I already had one before in my mid fifties. I'm sixty three now. Uh, I didn't want to get vaccinated. I didn't want to get a COVID shot while I was under and not able to know what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, that didn't happen, and I talked to the folks ahead of time, and they they don't even have the the stuff on the premises. So uh, so I felt a lot better about that. But that was my only concern. It wasn't concerned with getting the check. The concern was, am I going to get the jab? And have to deal with mm-hmm. the consequences of that and, and possibly face death or crippling injury. Or, you know, was it going to have to go to Dr. Judy Mikovits and start, you know, taking all her products? I should do it anyway. But uh, what am I going to have to do for the rest of my life to make up for something that was done to me without my consent? And that's the whole basis of this. Everything that's happening mm-hmm. to people is happening without their consent. They're doing it anyway. Yes. Can you explain that a bit? Yes. Um, Explain it. I don't know. It seems like everything is upside down in the healthcare system. A gentleman in California went in for hiccups for over 24 hours, and next thing you know, they vented him. And what? For hiccups? Yes, for hiccups. I believe that lawsuit, they started a case on that. Marie knows more about it. But he went We're in gonna, for hiccups. I want to get to Marie, too. Yeah. Uh, so did mm-hmm. he die in the hospital? Yes, uh, he... They vented him. They said he had COVID. The next thing they did, they said they had to amputate his legs because he has um, um, diabetes and et cetera, et cetera. Then they said that the surgery went well, and then the next day he died. Amputated his legs, and he died. And um, For the hiccups. It's, I mean, this is, this is as absurd and insane mm-hmm. as it gets. I can mm-hmm. cure hiccups. Mm-hmm. I used to cure hiccups with my daughter by telling her not to think of polar bears. And, of course, you think of polar bears. But what that does is that interrupts the the mental uh, – it it interrupts the hiccup response. All you have to do to cure hiccups is interrupt the response. So you give somebody something to think about other than hiccups, and they stop thinking of hiccups. And they – you know, like I say, if I told you, try not to think of polar bears, what are you thinking of? Polar bears, right? Well, it doesn't matter what you think of. I could could do, you know, little pink butterflies. It wouldn't matter what I said as long as 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 you just – that's all you have to do to cure hiccups. It's that simple. I know. I did it for years. So they have someone yeah. go on. They probably got rindesivir. The kidneys probably failed. They probably yeah. had the lungs full yeah. of fluid. They probably put them on a ventilator. Uh, they got diabetes. I don't know how. Uh, or they said they had diabetes, amputated their legs, and they killed them. And they made $130,000 in the process. More, Bonus, probably right? much more than that. Yeah, okay. but Marie Did, is an interviewer, so she has so many cases well, that wasn't even COVID-related that, that they killed. Well, what, interview your guest, and let's, uh, let's hear from her. Or, I mean, introduce your yeah. guest. I'm sorry. Uh, Marie Clark, uh, she did my first interview, and that's how we got to know each other. She's a wonderful woman. She was also part of the protocol. She was also in the hospital, and she could tell you her story, but she is a survivor from this affair. Marie, you go ahead. Wow. Welcome, Marie. Welcome Hi, back to everyone. radio. Thank you for having me, Greg. Um, oh, it's a pleasure. I'll introduce myself by just saying that um, I am a uh, survivor of remdesivir, five wow. doses. Oh, no. I was trapped in an ER for five and a half days with uh, a lot of neglect, you know, not even a washcloth or a bar of soap. Um, And um, during that time period that I was there, I didn't know anything about remdesivir, first of all. Uh, Mm -hmm. They just told me it was a COVID cocktail. And Mm. 
after the first day, the nurse comes in and says to me, gee, you look really good. And I said, I do? And he said, yeah, he said, most people your age, he said, usually have a face mask on and by the third or fourth day are vented. I said, I looked at him and I thought to myself, they've got this whole thing planned. They don't even know who I am. I've been here less than 24 hours. And, huh. and you're, you're already categorized on, by age and by life expectancy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you know, I was, in okay. Medicare. I was on Medicare, so you know what? I was perfect. So what I did was I thought to myself, I, well, first of all, they, you know, during the day, after the morning when they came in and they were done with their dosages, mm-hmm. I, sometimes I got food, sometimes I didn't. Um, I would go hours without being checked on. One one day, I finally by the fifth day, I actually um, I hit the uh, the bell, you know. And uh-huh. by then, I had moved across from the nurses' station. I was in the basement ER, and I didn't know how many people were down there. I mean, they had me basically closed in, you know, blinds drawn and everything else. There were two things I could control: I could get up and walk around because mm-hmm. they weren't around you know, to stop me. And I could drink water. They wouldn't give me a pitcher, but I saved all these cups and I would line the cups up and I would drink just, I would just make myself drink water because I knew that, that? nothing else. Huh? Why, why the I water? I have no idea. Hmm. Oh, why the water? You know, I had no idea, but I had two things I could control. I could control walking and I could control drinking water. And I have no idea why, but I just was totally. Do you know what you sound like? You sound like a prisoner of war. That's exactly what it was like. I had no contact with my family for three days because my phone, they didn't bother telling me that there was a guest Wi-Fi, you know. And um, I knew my daughter was out there advocating for me, Um, Mm -hmm. but I just wasn't able to talk to her. And what happened was by the time I got to this fifth day and I had rung the bell because they hadn't taken the breakfast tray away, my meager little scrambled egg. And the bell was on for four hours and no one came. Finally, I got up, I walked to the, I thought, you know, this, I've had enough. It was five and a half. I was, I was there for five and a half days. I just had had enough. And I opened up the door. And I looked down the hall, and in both directions, there was just, the halls were dark. And I thought to myself, where is everybody? So I started to yell, anybody here? Anybody here? No answer. I thought, this is so crazy. Then I laughed to myself, and I thought, well, I always wanted to do this. And in biggest, loudest voice, I yelled, help, twice. Help, help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, right, literally probably 15 feet from me, this young man, male nurse, leans his head out from behind a computer screen and says, can I help you? <laughs> I, oh. oh. I looked at him. I didn't know whether I just wanted to jump over that counter and strangle the guy, right? Yeah. Right. And I said, like, don't you hear that bell? It's been ringing for four hours. It's got a bright light. Don't you see it? Yeah. You know? And, and the, the response said, was? 
Yeah, the response was, oh, okay, I'll, I'll turn it off. Oh, well, gee, thanks. So I tu- he turns it off, and, I, and then I realized, I said to myself, he's not going to feed me. He's not, I yeah. had already missed they're lunch. Expecting you to, I probably, let me be blunt here. They're, they're expecting you to die. That, that, that whole wing is set up. It's dark. It's, it's, it's a death room. Exactly. It's a death waiting room. Okay. They yeah. figured I was going to sit there and just die. Mm-hmm. Because they figured, okay, it's a gray-haired person. Mm-hmm. You know, she's in her 70s. She's going to sit and die. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't expect, because they didn't know I was getting up and walking every hour. They didn't know I was sitting there constantly drinking water. See, the and dehydration, really that's a part of it. Uh, that's, the, that's the quickest the way to kill somebody. The dehydration is a part of it. I didn't yeah, know I, that at the time. But I've heard this all before. I knew all I knew was that I had to drink water because I've always done that. I, I'm, I'm totally aware that as you get older, mm-hmm. your thirst reflex diminishes. Really? So I thought if there's that's ever a time to, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why you'll hear a lot of people, older people say, oh, I don't drink water very much. That's because as you get older, that reflex just diminishes. But you should um, drink it anyway. And, yeah. So you okay. just have to, you know, be aware of it. All right. Thank you for that. Anyway, I'll at, at, I think it was about 545, I was sitting watching this little tiny TV, and in walks this doctor, and he steps inside the door. No mask, but he just steps inside the door. And I'd never seen the guy before, but he had on a, he had on a white coat, and it had bright green letters, ICC. And I later learned it was um, Intensive Care Consortium. Like, that's a whole other story. Consortium? But, that, sounds, that sounds very corporate. Yeah. Well, yeah. They're headquartered, <laughs> out, of, they're headquartered out, of, out of California, but they're oh. only in red states, <laughs> which is also very interesting. Oh, um, well, oh, so named yourself on a whole can of worms. You know, were there more deaths in, in conservative states yeah, than liberal states? Well, yeah. Yeah, that's a whole other conversation for another Okay, day. you're coming back. But You'll any, be back on the show. But, uh, I can tell right now. <laughs> Go ahead. But um, so this guy walks in, this doctor walks in, and he looks at me, and I said, hello. And he said, hello. He said, um, you don't look so good. And I'm thinking, no kidding, <laughs> you know. But I was down from six liters of oxygen to two, so I was improving. I knew that, you know. And um, and he said, he said, well, we're here to help you breathe better. I said, and how do you propose to do that? <laughs> he said, we're going to put a tube down your throat. I said, no, you're not. Absolutely yeah. not. I yeah. said, you can turn right around and you can get out of this room, and I want you to know you tell everyone else that they will not do that to me. <laughs> that was it. He was so shocked. I think he expected, you know, this complete, you know, acquiescence and, you know. Well, see, that's the problem. Totally and Rebecca can it. talk about this, too, that everybody goes to the doctor and they just, whatever they say is, must be right. Now, I knew, because I'm, I'm a conscious thinking person. Now, I grew up in a, in a very sort of like a hostile family environment. I mean, they give dysfunctional a whole new meaning, right? So I was already uh, knowing that I had to survive on my own from a very early age, not to trust adults or anybody, even your own family. So for me to be skeptical of doctors, is, it just came naturally. 
And so I did uh, actually consented to having open heart surgery to repair a valve, which actually worked extremely well. Good surgeon, talked to him, got four other opinions. I actually had five opinions, not two, but five before I did this. Uh, but the problem came three weeks later, and uh, my chest was filling up with fluid. And uh, had I been around during COVID, they would have put me on a ventilator, but they did the logical thing. They took the fluid out, and they drained over two days four and a half, liter, four and a half liters of fluid. I think this was caused by blood thinners. So then the, the, the nurse ratchet comes back in uh, after my lungs have reinflated, which is an incredibly painful experience, by the way. So I actually was taking the full measure of painkillers that, uh, that afternoon. But uh, afterwards, they said, well, we need to put you back on blood thinners again. I said, like hell you are. Oh, no, you might get a stroke. What's the stroke from? Uh, lack of activity. I said, you mean me, the person that was walking the day I had open heart surgery? Me, the most active person you've had on this ward forever? And I know because I've talked to the nurses. I said, you want to give me blood thinners again? After having four and a half liters of fluid pumped out, you know, taken out of my chest, which almost killed me. I said, is this what you want to do? Well, this is what's recommended. I won't tell you what I said next, but you can imagine. <laughs> pretty much what you said. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty much you know. what I, yeah. And here, yeah. And here I am today. Healthy, yeah. fine. I do 14-mile bike rides. I'm in the gym, you know, two or three times a week. Uh, so the heart surgery was a good thing. You know, I don't have myocarditis. My heart didn't swell up well, and I didn't and, die. And you have to, yeah, and you but, have to, as I think, you know, you have to be that advocate for yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, no one knows you better than you. I really, you know, I, we have so decompartmentalized medicine just like everything else in, in, in the country. I mean, to the point where, you know, you don't look at a person as a whole anymore. You know, I'm, I'm a kid who grew up when the doctor came to my bedside. Um, mm. now, you've, now you just have corporate entities. They've taken, away the, they've taken away the local doctor who had his, you know, shingle hanging outside the door. And now he has to be in an environment of corporate, you know, um, uh, these corporate entities and that are controlled by the hospitals. I mean, a good example, I mean, in my local hospital, I'm in central New Hampshire, and um, I'm right by a ski area and Gunstock Mountain. And oh, I know where you are. They, I used to live in, I grew up in New yeah. England, in Lexington, Massachusetts. I know exactly where you are. Oh, okay, sure. I think I've, sure. Skied, I think I've skied Gunstock. Probably, they still have that name yeah. that's so politically incorrect. Of course, it's New Hampshire, not Massachusetts, so yeah. Hey, it's Gunstock. It'll always be Gunstock. <laughs> okay, good. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's owned by the citizens of the county. Uh, so they actually Rainbow took Mountain? out. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just <laughs> they, they actually took out the orthopedic group, the doctors. I what? knew something was amiss when I first heard this. They closed the maternity ward, Where's and this? then they took this is in, uh, well, it used to be called Lake Regions Hospital. Now it's hospital called, you went it to, or, or, or are we talking about, I just want to no, keep the story straight. No, that's where I went to, yeah. It was, it's, now it's called Concord, it was bought out by Concord Hospital. Okay, and now course. it's Concord Hospital Laconia, yeah. Right. So, but when they, took the, when they took the orthopedic group out and they said, you can't, they actually set up their own place. And I'm thinking, how bizarre is that? One of the biggest money makers, the orthopedic center bones? right behind with where, where you've got a, where you've, where you've got a gun, yeah, bones, where you've got Gunstock Mountain right behind you. Oh, yeah, you. ski injuries, right, ski injuries. Ski yeah. injuries, and plus it's, it's a year-round center now. It's not just oh. skiing. They have zip lining. They have all kinds of activities all year-round. 
All of which break bones, and right? They, <laughs> Sorry, I'm well, just kidding. And this is, it, it just was bizarre to see that. And I, I, you know, you continue to see the breakdown and the difference mm-hmm. between the corporate followers, you know, those doctors who just fall in line, and then, mm. and then those doctors who were, you know, the early treatment in, in terms of COVID, um, doctors who are not going to bend the corporate, you know, like the, these fellows here. Um, it's very interesting to watch that. But I, I wanted to kind of move on from my story and actually sure. talk about something you touched on because you mentioned um, you had, a, you know, you've been touched with a friend who has come, who came down and succumbed, I think, to cancer. Isn't that what you said? Mm-hmm. Kitty cancer. Yeah. Um, and I have a, my, one of my very dearest, closest friends had pancreatic cancer five years ago. She went to Dartmouth-Hitchcock, had the Whipple surgery, which is a very what's, specialized surgery. What's that? It's called I'm not sure. I've never heard of that. It was, named, it, it was named after the doctor, the surgeon who invented it. Uh-huh. And it's a, it, it's a special surgery around the pancreas. Um, it's oh. very complicated. It, it, you know, it doesn't have a great survival rate, you know, but it adds life to, to people. Well, neither does pancreatic cancer. is one of the worst cancers to get. Exactly. And when she went in, she had part of the pancreas removed, part of the stomach removed, her right kidney removed, part of her intestine removed. They said that, you know, her likelihood after six weeks in the hospital, you know, was about a three-week survival. So she went home to, to yeah. you know, to die. And guess what? She didn't. Not only didn't, she, two years later she was walking she she was walking two miles a day for I think two to three years, and then all of a sudden her along comes COVID. Her kids pressure her, you know, to to get the jab. Fully, you know, they they were well intentioned, right? So uh-huh. she had had a clear MI in January, uh, MRI in January, totally clear. Doctor said, I don't need to see you until next year. She said, ah, I don't want to wait that long. Let's do it again in August. He said, okay, I'll schedule it for August. In May of that same year, she gets the jab. She goes in for her MRI in, in uh, August. She's a golf ball-sized tumor. Long story short, she's now in hospice care and, you know, not doing well. I'm and, sorry. Uh, you know, but what's interesting is that I met another person mm-hmm. who also went to the same doctor, had the same surgery, and that doctor told her that since since the pandemic, he's he he used to do the surgery two to three times a month. He's doing mm-hmm. it two to three times a week. That's a four hundred and thirty percent increase in just pancreatic cancer. Is he recommending or not recommending the the COVID jab, or does he have an opinion on it? I don't. I think they're keeping their they're trying to they're trying to dance around it and keep their mouth there like non-opinion. They don't push anything. How can you not have an opinion? Well, they they seem to apparently because I know I know that was the question I asked my friend, and she said, "Well, he didn't exactly answer me directly when I asked should I get the." Jeb, he kind of said, well, that's a choice you have to make, you know. 
And he didn't really come out and say, yes, you should. But he didn't say, no, you shouldn't. You know? so, With a virus there, that does not affect seriously 99.95% of Americans, why would you vaccinate everybody? Considering the effect of this is minimal, except for like the the 100,000 most vulnerable people in the country out of 330 million. I mean, that's a rhetorical question. question. And I'll I'll put another question out there to you. Mm -hmm. Why in the history of this country, for the first time, are we using one medication with the exact same dosages, no matter what your weight is, no matter what your height is, no matter what your health background is, everybody gets the exact same dosages of remdesivir. Oh, that's interesting. That's I, thought the COVID, I thought you were going to say the COVID shot. Before. Uh, the, the that's COVID shot. never, yeah. ever been done. Uh-huh. And and they so when you walk in they just they just assume you're 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 covid right i of mean course. they never tested me in the hospital i just took this silly little home test once so what did you five days so why did you go to the hospital in the first place let's let's get that out there what was your initial well, reason because for i had bilateral i ended up with bilateral pneumonia but i'm prone to pneumonia what? because i uh, bilateral, bilateral well, it's pneumonia in it's it's lungs? pneumonia in both of your lungs yeah okay And, um, but anyway, that, you know, I just lost my train of thought (laughs) quick. (laughs) I'm sorry. We do that. I'm ADHD. So I always ask questions and keep interrupting. I'm sorry, (laughs) but that's kind of how we do stuff around here. But yeah. So back to how you were in the hospital in the first place, you know, how you, how how you got on remdesivir for pneumonia. I don't see the connection. Right. I was talking about the remdesivir. Well, what's interesting about remdesivir, as I said, is that nobody asks that question. Why is everybody being given the, sev- the exact same dosage? Now, the only reason I know this is because I've interviewed a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And there are commonalities, you know, amongst mm-hmm. all of these people that you talk to. How about that? They all have the same, they all have the same thing. They all come, it all comes down to the same thing. You get mm-hmm. remdesivir and you look in the medical records and guess what? It's the same dosage. It's the exact same treatment. Whoever in this entire, who, what doctor gives the exact same dosage to a 125-pound female at 27 mm-hmm. and the, you know, 280-pound male at 62? Yeah. And never takes into consideration what their health background is. Now, when you Someone just who's, think about let me ask that, that question. <laughs> Someone who's paid to do that. it because that's the protocol because their job depends on it or the bonus depends on it or both. I, mean, I don't know if it's a carrot well, and a stick or a carrot or a stick, but it's one of the... It, it is, it's, but uh, it's not, it certainly isn't health care. Well, yeah. no, I would never put those two words together. Well, let me ask you, and then we'll get Rebecca back in here, yeah. but uh, your, your journalist background. So, so how did you come to meet Rebecca and, and where, what can you tell us about your journalism currently, previous, whatever? I'm curious. Well, I'm I'm actually not a journalist. I'm just you know retired, just retired, and and um, I met Rebecca okay. because um, I had I had gotten interested in um, you know interviewing. There's a group that's doing some great work just interviewing um, mm-hmm. people, and um, it's really testimonies. 
And um, I did a lot of outreach and talked with a lot of people beforehand just to kind of relax them because reliving their stories is a very difficult thing to do. And Rebecca's was actually one of my first. And um, it was, you know, um, it was enlightening. Uh, it was it was difficult. Um, it was difficult to hear. But then I went on to do well over probably, I don't know, 50, 60, something like that. Wow. And when I, when I was in the hospital, I... I just had this, I just knew I had to do something to warn people. And so when I first got out of the hospital, I went to a friend of mine who has a podcast, Mark Kulak, with Housatonic mm-hmm. Live. Now, Mark is a political historical researcher who uncovered Eco Health Alliance a year and a half before anyone ever heard about it. Oh, so wow. I did, Rebecca, I we thought, need him on the show. <laughs> Rebecca, we need him on the show. Oh, yeah. Pick a yeah, week. He's, he's, yeah. yeah, definitely. Uh, but I decided to call Mark and ask him because I'd been in his chat room for like, I don't know, two years or something. Mm-hmm. And I thought I, I would feel safe telling my story with him. And I did. So it is it's on his uh, it's on his, um, you know, podcast uh, playlist. And. But subsequent to that, having heard all of these different stories, I came across, you know, I participated in that, but I always knew that I needed to to have deeper discussions, deeper conversations, similar to what you're doing, and around how we can take all this grief that we're, we've been given, because it's the kind of grief that we've never had to really honestly look at other than 9-11 but this this grief that people are experiencing is one never experienced before this is intentional by your own government Mm -hmm. I mean it's happened in small groups I mean you know we we just look at the Native Americans we look at you know Tuskegee we look at there are pockets but mass a mass intentional um you know, killing of Americans. I mean, it's that could have survived. We've never seen anything like this. And like I said, when you just if you if you don't believe any of it, just understand what the impact of giving one medication, choosing one medication, the deadliest out of the four that they had to choose from. They chose the deadliest, which attacks all the organs. And, you know, you can't live without your kidneys. And it, it doesn't take long before they begin to fail. Now, I, I contend that because I drank so much water, and I don't know this because I'm not a scientist and I'm not a doctor, I contend because I drank so much water continuously that that helped me survive. You flushed out the remdesivir before it had a chance to I do much, is what I'm guessing. Before, Does that make sense? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. All right. Right. Do you know what um, remdesivir is and where it comes from? Like we know penicillin comes from fungus um, and it's great for antibacterial stuff. Uh, I think it's, and uh, well, it we know where synthetic. certain things come from. It's a which now? It is synthetic. It is synthetic, synthetic. So I don't know. It's, you know, it's uh, okay. Gilead. It's manufactured by Gilead Sciences. And uh-huh. um, it, it, what's interesting about rem, remdesivir and actually Mark is the expert on, 
the timeline. Um, uh-huh. But Gilead, the, I mean, they started to manufacture. Dr. Rick Bright ordered the manufacturer of remdesivir to begin before the first patient was ever diagnosed with COVID in the United States. How about that? Yeah. Interesting, well, huh? Well, I'll tell you what's interesting, uh, because I've been looking, oh, I got the, I actually pulled up the molecular structure of remdesivir. It's pretty available from, uh, uh, from PubChem, National Library of Medicine. The NIH actually will, will, has released, uh, sorry, C27H35N508P. I'm sorry, say that again? I said that trusted agency. Oh, God, a bunch of, you know, I call them uh, Dr. Fascist and the health Nazis, you know, but uh, yeah, here it is. Uh, it's, uh, it's carbon, hydrogen, uh, I guess that would be nitrogen, oxygen, and P, phosphate maybe. Uh, it's a complex molecule, uh, but it's an organic yeah. chemical. It says remdesivir is an antiviral nucleotide analog used for therapy of severe novel coronavirus. All right, so this, all right that's, that's their propaganda. Let's see what it right. is. Car- but if you, carbolixic... if you look into the trials, yeah. If you look so into it... the trials of remdesivir when they first used it um, against Ebola, uh-huh. the the least effective was remdesivir. The most effective was was um, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. Oh, of course it was. Well, see, but and I can explain. And it in order simply. to well, here's here's the important thing. In uh-huh. order for remdesivir to be um, authorized for emergency use mm-hmm. they have to prove that all existing all existing um drugs or treatments don't work mm-hmm. so what they did was they kind of set up the the ivermectin trials and the other so that mm-hmm. they could they could basically say they don't work mm-hmm. and we have to go with remdesivir now oddly enough Oddly enough, we only have what I think it's like five percent, less than five percent of the pop world's population. Twenty percent of the deaths from COVID. Mm-hmm. Now, when you well, look that's at that's India, we have seventy percent of the world's money. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's why you know, they used. Well, uh, you know, you have India that used ivermectin, and in one in one in one um, province alone. They had zero. They had zero deaths. Yeah, was it ten something or other? Starts with a P. I remember this. So just, yeah, just yeah. to let you know, I can't, I can't remember the name of it. You're you're talking to the converted here. You're preaching to the choir. I mean, I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying that uh, we. I mean, I had the right. DDR route study in Marseille, France, back in March uh, or February of 2020. Uh, I, yes. I, I like I say I wrote the bill yeah. that said that Congress can't. You know, they have to do that. We we had I had Dr. Zelenko on the show uh, mid 2020. We wrote a bill to reform the FDA in August of 2020. We had all this stuff done in March 2021. I had a bill for full product liability back on on Big Pharma. So we we're on the cutting edge of this and always have been. And so I and, explained and it very that, Go ahead. I saw that and I want you to know uh-huh. um, that there are people out in Arizona who have your <laughs> have your website and have used it as a guideline and been very successful in really? getting through Tell the me. state in yeah, in Lori Cedarstrom and in getting through to the the uh, state house there, and I believe, I strongly believe, that this has all got to be. If we have to generate this 
It has to come from the grassroots. It has to come from legislation in the state house. I mean, here in New Hampshire, we were probably one of the first to outlaw um, vaccine mandates um, and also to take um, to make the registry um, optional as opposed to mandatory uh, for immunization on a statewide level. Uh-huh. Um, we also we also got ahead of the game and you know said no vaccine passports. Now the trick with legislation, as you well know, is you can pass a good bill, but then it goes to the rules committee, and then they play the games. They put in the oh, little phrases. Uh, listen, I've been doing legislation since that. college. Yeah, I know all the games. Um, but you know all see, the games, I, and yep. I would love to have you talk about all of that stuff. Um, we'll talk sure. offline because I. That's well, uh, something that sounds uh, like you need your own report too. I mean, I got I got a lot of space right now for reports. Well, I do. I I'm I'm in the process. I I just uh-huh. started my first uh, just did my first episode, and we um, okay. we broadcast it on Sunday. We've got over a thousand views already, so I'm optimistic that we can well, good. help. The, I just want to be just like everyone else who's been touched by this. Take action. And let's get the word out because the hardest thing to do is convince someone who's never been through the, the, who's never lost anyone or like myself, who's rolled, who's been rolled through those hospital doors and found behind it an entirely different mindset and protocol as to any other time in your life. It just yeah, literally has been flipped on its head. Yeah, because I went through heart surgery in uh, 2016, and it was right before. I remember because you know I got out uh, two days before Trump was elected. <laughs> so I mean, it was, it was October 27th of, of 2016. Wow. I had the open heart surgery. I was out, you know, about a week later. So, well, I'm glad yeah, I got it then. I wouldn't want it now, <laughs> you know. So I mean, well, that's, that that therein lies the problem. A lot of people, as a matter of fact, here, I always chuckle because. There's a hospital here in Manchester, a very well-known hospital in Manchester, New Hampshire, and they are advertising their cardiac unit about how good it is. I think people who have who have problems are just saying, "I'm not ready to go in yet." You know, oh, I'm sure they're or, not. and that's I'm, that's one of the biggest mistakes. And here's here's the, I want to get Rebecca back in here too, but Rebecca, you're going to get infinite amounts of weeks of reports, so don't uh, I don't want you to feel like. Uh, mm. You know, you're, no, you're being no, 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 Marisa, okay, good. no. Marisa, wealth of knowledge, too, so I'm glad she okay, had good. the opportunity to speak. Yeah. Well, good. Um, but my situation was, um, like I say, I got five separate opinions, uh, including Stanford Medical School. One of their top cardi- cardiologists looked at all my charts and EKGs and all that kind of stuff and said, yep. And they all said the same thing. So you get five experts. You know, at that point, I think, you yeah, know, I think they're right. But my, uh, what they were saying was if I didn't get, uh, didn't get the mitral valve repaired, I was headed for myocarditis and a swollen heart. And they said, you got a one in five chance of being dead in five years. And that would have been two years ago. And so I thought at the time, you know, uh, okay, I, I'm not one for surgery or doctors, but I did consent to this because it made sense. So I went through it. Then they almost killed me three weeks later with uh, blood thinners. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, I never take them again, you know. And uh, but then when COVID came along, I'm like, oh wait a minute, <laughs> you know, what's really going on here? But uh, there was a change, and we should talk about the change between my surgery which went well, where they were actually, I just thought they were trying to overdose me on painkillers and get me addicted to uh, opiates. 
as they were all doing at that mm-hmm. time because all the hospital surveys, you know, said if you have zero pain, then you're doing a good job. I'm like, no, how can I know if I'm, if I'm moving in the right way after heart surgery if I don't have at least a little bit of pain as a guide? So I, I did my own mm-hmm. pain medication regulation. I, I took about half to a, a quarter of what they were recommending, first a half and then down to a quarter, um, and I was fine. And I always had a little bit of pain, but I, I used that pain to make sure I didn't move the wrong way and, you know, tear stitches and do bad stuff and all the other kind of things. But, uh, but their idea of zero pain was they, you know, if I took it and taken as many painkillers as they wanted, I'd be a hydrocodone addict within uh, three weeks. Oh, sure. You know, well, and that's said, no. why they want to turn you in. Go ahead. They want to turn you into a legal drug addict for the pharmaceutical companies. Exactly. It's so evil what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, Rebecca, let's get some commentary from you. So, so of all the stuff going on first, uh, what's, what's happening here? And we do have another guest at the top of the hour, Otherwise, I would, or my reporter. Otherwise, I'd keep you guys on for another hour. Um, but um, tell me what you think so far. How, comments, things we should be talking about. What do you think? About the website? Um, about anything. Whatever you'd like to talk let's, about. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about the website. Well, I think we'll be good. Okay, yeah. So I think I have like about 10, 10 reviews there right now on the website, which is important because, as I said before, people need to know which hospitals are safe to go in. They have sick people every day, and we really need to push this forward. I'd like it to be like a VAERS report where mm-hmm. you could go on to, you know, VAERS and see what drugs is, have, you know, side effects or death effects. So um, doing the website and getting a platform, you know, to expose this evil is what, where I'm at. And also, you know, yesterday we had the meeting with the Trump team, which Marie could tell you more about, too. Um, yeah, all about I forgot all about tyranny. that. Oh, I can't believe I forgot about yeah. that. Tell me about it. Tell me, <laughs> tell me, what, you can, tell me what you can tell me. Because <laughs> I want to do this podcast forever. So tell me well, what you can tell it's, me. Well, it's, it's really showing the Trump team the block of voters they could lose if they don't do something about this. In, in, so this in is, little words. This is huge because I've criticized Trump ever since he let Dr. Fascist push him off the stage. The whole pandemic uh, crisis response team was an Obama uh, protocol, the, an Obama plan. The pandemic playbook was given to Trump you mm-hmm. know, by Obama. So this, I know this is all pre-planned. I know they changed the, the pandemic uh, guidelines from the 2007 guidelines to the 2017 ones three months after Trump took office so they could go to full lockdown without their pandemic severity index. I mean, I've researched all this stuff. And so I, know, I knew it was planned uh, three years ago because I had the evidence for right. how they changed the guidelines. So, but Trump was totally duped. He was doing fine when he was with Dr. Zelenko. He had the right protocol. He mm-hmm. had the right information. Peter Navarro had 80 million hydroxychloroquine tablets he was going to distribute. That would have knocked COVID out in about three weeks. There would have been no vaccine, no need for it. None of this stuff would have happened. The protocols would have been canceled. The Center for Medicaid Services would not be able to, you know, ship out $150,000 per death. You know, none of this stuff would have happened. But right. he right. went with the wrong people. But he's got to, he's got to account for that. And he's got to admit that to the public. He's got to say, I screwed up big time. I am sorry. I used the best information I could. But now that I know the truth, we're never going to let this happen again. That's what he needs to say. Yeah. Go ahead, guys. Go if ahead. he wants to win the election. if Go ahead, Marie. I, well, I just wanted to say that when, when, we, when we put this together and, and Meg Skinitis actually um, she worked 10 months to get one hour before the Trump team. And um, when we put the, when we finally put the presentation together, one of the points that I told Meg we needed to make sure we had is that Trump doesn't have this in the bag. 
and he's he's got to know that they're well she calculated it out out of all the people affected people who've died extended families backs injured extended families we're talking about a block of 42 million voters yeah and that as long as they keep this quiet they don't talk about it they run the they run here's the here's the key thing that a lot of people will overlook they run the risk during the primaries of having independents choose a Democratic ballot to vote on as opposed to a Republican ballot because you've got Bobby Kennedy now running and he's been openly talking about vaccines for years and years. And the question is, Mm -hmm. how entrenched is he with, you know, the establishment? The question is, how entrenched is Trump? They have a problem. They all have a problem, whether it's Kennedy or whether it's Trump or whether it's, it doesn't matter who. This is a huge block of voters, and they're going to have to address it, going to have mm-hmm. to say the word Mendesivir. And if they don't, they're going to have a lot of people, especially the independents, looking at this and saying, mm-mm-mm, I mean, well, it's, let me tell you. Challenge. Let me tell you a little. Uh, let me tell you a little action radio action. Um, Dr. Judy Mikovits is a personal friend. I gotten to know her um, over. She was with us 18 weeks in a row, as well as a bunch of other folks like Dr. Brian Artis. Uh, some guests like Peter Corey dropped in. Uh, some other folks were were in with us, but okay. uh, but the regular group Ben Marble, uh, some other people Jim Thorpe. You know, the big folks uh, involved with all this. And uh, she knows uh, Bobby Kennedy personally. They're friends. I mean, Bobby has done forwards to her books. You know, she just talked about that. So I'm hoping, and I've already talked to Judy about this, and I'm, I'm, I've talked about this on the show, so it's not a big deal. I want Bobby Kennedy to endorse our vaccine product liability bill and our um, big tech censorship bill. And, you know, mm-hmm. I want Trump to do it, too. I want them both to do it. Yeah, they're, they're going to have to do this. But I, I'm nonpartisan. I don't care about parties. But the mm-hmm. beauty of this election, no. this, is, this is the first election where the two major candidates are hated by their own parties. I mean, who's the deep state going to cheat for? And think, about, think about this for a second. Who's, gonna, who's yeah. the deep state going to cheat for? They don't want Kennedy and they don't want Trump. They want an establishment mm-hmm. person. They want a Mitt Romney or a, or a George Bush or a, or a, a Biden or an idiot, uh, the idiocracy. They want, they want people they can manage. They want they can't the manage these two. <laughs> What's that? I said they want the cackler. They want, Har- you know, Kamala Harris. They, they, I, I, I actually think, I've said this for years, I actually think that they've been paving the way for, for Hillary Clinton to make a comeback. That's what I think. Oh, yeah. But uh, everybody hates her. Uh, first of all, men won't vote for Hillary Clinton. I've said right. this before, and I've taken a lot of criticism, because Hillary Clinton sounds like every one of our ex-girlfriends and ex-wives. She just does. <laughs> Nobody. Men don't, want to, men don't want to listen to Hillary. I'm telling well you right taken. now. Men don't want to listen to Hillary Clinton. You know, it's like, oh, God, I know who she reminds yeah. me of. Oh, geez, I don't want to go through that again. So, yeah. Well, she and there are a lot of women that don't either. I mean, you know, that's, that's the craziness. But, you know, they... First of all, they're so out of touch with everybody. They're so out of touch, and they're so sure of themselves. themselves. Yeah. You know, this is what well, they're finding out in France and, and the Netherlands and everywhere mm-hmm. else around where their people are rising up. You know, hey, Marcos in the Netherlands, we, uh, we have a guy from the Netherlands on live chat right now, too. So we're, we're, uh, Marcos with us most of the time for our shows. Um, so we'll see yeah. if he types in something Shout from there. So tell me. 
Oh yeah, we're we're in fifty different countries. You'd be amazed uh, where we are. Uh, Armenia, <laughs> you know, Cuba, uh, wow. Vietnam, <laughs> all these places that we broadcast to. It's it's fascinating. Oh, well, so here's the question. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's great. Yeah. So we just need a lot more. So can uh, if you can reveal anybody in the Trump team that's public, or if not, that's fine. I understand. I'm just curious. Uh, we can talk off the air, uh, and I do respect I tell- you know off the record. Yeah. Go ahead. I can tell you, it's, I mean, they're the people that talk to the grassroots, you know, that, that sift through and, and decide, okay. you know, what, who, who is going to, who they're going to, A, who they're going to listen to. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a discussion. It was basically, okay, here's our pitch. Hmm. So we, we had to make, a, we had to create a presentation that basically says, listen, we got 42 million possible voters here. Mm-hmm. You think you might want to address these issues? What they say? Because, Can you tell me what they said? Well, they don't. They don't speak. They they don't comment. They didn't have any comments. They just thanked us, you know, and that they were going to be taking the information back to you know back to the you know the campaign. So, you know, you don't know. And I wouldn't actually, if I were running the campaign, I would be saying the same thing. Okay. Well, that makes you sense. You don't want to lay well, your cards. You know, you know, you know yeah. this. You've been around long enough. Oh, yeah. Well, obviously, I want to talk to these people, if at all possible. But secondly, um, I've had Peter Navarro and Christina Bob on the show, and I've talked about vaccine product liability legislation and ending big tech censorship. They know about these bills, both of which said they would take it to well, Donald yeah. Trump. So they know about what we do. Well, you know, you know several, they say several people in the Trump administration know about Trump. Go ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the last, the last, you know, his entire administration, you know, that there's a lot of stuff that were, quote, given to him that I don't think he ever got. Given the it. attacks on him, and I'm mm-hmm. not a big Trump, I want you to know I'm not a giant, like, Trump fan. I'm independent. Like, mm-hmm. I got to look at everybody and everything, you know. Um, but just the fact that they've done what they've done with him, I mm-hmm. mean, it's not about Trump. It's about the office of the presidency. And that's no, what I agree. bothers me most. Yeah, yeah. See, I am a it's, Trump fan. It's the undermining because, of it. Yeah, I'm a Trump fan because I didn't realize this until after he was elected. But I, I sort of thought, you know, years ago that if I had to pick my ideal presidential candidate, they'd have to be incredibly honest, they'd have to be uncorruptible, they'd have to be unbribable. <laughs> you know, in other words, they had so much money that they well, were bribed. Well, that's why I ended up voting for Trump. Yeah, but they still have to be a, you know, a decent person who loved America. And, and that was Trump, all, those, all that criteria. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and he fought. He fought in spite of all of the stuff that was coming against him. He kept moving. I found it very interesting that he signed that. I think he signed that bill or that, uh, not the bill, whether it's an executive order about reducing the cost of, of uh, drugs. Just before mm-hmm. Biden went in and Biden came in and knocked everything out. And then he took, takes credit for it two years later. <laughs> I mean, well, just, Biden just does what he stole little, from Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, well, what do you think is going to happen then so, with, um, uh, with Trump? Do you think they're, they're, they're seriously going to, they're going to do their mea culpa? I mean, he's, n- I've noticed already in the, in the uh, rallies, he's not talking about warp speed. He's not talking about the vaccine being safe and effective. He's not talking about it at all. The only thing he said, right. he said something about uh, if there were mandates on colleges where students had to get a vaccine, he wasn't going to defund them. That's the only thing I've heard in the last rally. Well, it'll be interesting to see as a result of this, because I'm going to open the door. I'm happy to talk to any campaign, 
any presidential campaign manager yeah. floating around New Hampshire because I think that, you know, it's going to be a very key component. They don't realize the numbers. They haven't sat down and actually thought about it. And I think that's what our presentation just threw them for a loop because Scott Shera was there who lost his daughter, Amazing Grace. With, oh, he's been on the show. I know Scott. Yeah. yeah. Well, Scott was part of that presentation. So was Curtis Bay. And so was, um, who was the third person, Rebecca? I'm missing somebody. Meg, and Dr. Gafanti. Dr. Gafanti out of Florida, Mexican. you know. Um, so th- there were three speakers who had, you know, who talked about their, the impact. Uh, Dr. Gafanti is a survivor. Um, certainly, you know, Scott Shara's story. And mm-hmm. then Curtis Bay, who lost his wife for 40 years. Wow. So yeah, it was I've, very, yeah. the impact was huge, I think. I think they're going to, let's put it this way. It was more than worthy of them taking it back to the, to, to the higher ups, if you will in the campaign and saying, we need to rethink this. And well, one thing I want to add is the, Go ahead, sorry, one thing I want to add is what Meg did was the, um, and Curtis Bay was talking about the RICO Act mm-hmm. yes. that they're doing, in, they're trying in Arizona right now that Giuliani had started in New York, the RICO Act. Marie could probably tell him a little bit more about that. Well, I think Greg knows more about that than I know. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I know about the RICO Act. I don't know what the, what the latest is. I, I may have to get up and, and close my windows. My neighbors appear to be hammering. So my beautiful birdies that started the show are not here now. The sun's up and they're still getting active. But uh, other than that, um, I, like I said, I'm going to go see my congressman. Uh, he's got a new district office. It's a lot closer. He knows. He's known for two years. This is Matt Gates, And, you know, Matt Gates has Trump on speed dial. So I yeah, do not so understand. someone who will listen. Well, see, and this is the thing. This is why I want to talk to him because I do, and he, I've talked to him personally. But there's minions in the way. There's every every member of Congress mm-hmm. has minions that are visionless idiots that don't. Sorry, Trump. I mean, sorry, yeah, Matt. But uh, your staff, you know. But it's not just his staff; it's everybody's staff. I can't get past the minions because when I talk about citizen yeah. legislation, I might as well be be talking about aliens with three heads. They don't get it. They don't understand the power of what we've got here. I've got a bill that could mm-hmm. put big pharma that could take every vaccine off the market, and that Ed Dowd confirmed that to us. He says, look, you get product liability on these things, they're gone from the shelves. Nobody's going to have to worry about this anymore, and we'll do what we're supposed to do with diseases. Treat them or leave people alone. Yeah. And well, so, I will tell you how, I will tell uh-huh. you how Lori in Arizona got through that, all of that. Who's Lori she in Arizona? There. Uh, Lori Cedarstrom, um, she's very active. She uh, set up the website 1000widows.org uh, with Curtis Bay. And yeah, all you folks are going to get together. Active. Yeah, I can tell all you folks are going to yeah. get together on this. Yeah. Well, we all, yeah, we pretty much are. And, um, mm-hmm. But when she went to present to a staff member, mm-hmm. um, she, she laid it on the table. And I said, I, I told the gals in, in uh, the people who presented to people in Oklahoma, I said the same thing. I said, you bring your pictures that you have of your husbands. Mm-hmm. And I said, but Absolutely. you wait until the appropriate time when mm. they don't think they're going to believe you. And all Lori did was slide a whole notebook across the table to sit back. She didn't even say anything to this guy, you mm. know, to the, to the aide. And he looked at it and he just was so shocked, which is, that's what you want. You know, you want to get the message across and sometimes the picture's worth a thousand words. 
you know, and, um, you know, actually that the whole thing got sent off to the, to, um, is it Swigert, Swigert, Swigert's office in, um, in Washington, D.C., the, you know, Arizona, um, U.S. Senator. And so they keep in touch with her. And now when she walks, literally when she walks through the, the halls of the Arizona State House, I always tell her, I said, the building trembles. <laughs> well, I've got a friend that we had to Wendy Rogers on the show. So, I mean, I have a connection to the Arizona State House. Uh, I got a friend of mine, who uh, Tina Terry, who's been on the show several times. Uh, she, she knows all kinds of folks in Arizona. So yeah, that's you want to talk to, to Lori. You want to talk to Lori. She's the mover and the shaker behind it. Uh, okay, it, well then uh, let's uh, let's get us connected here, you know, off the air, and then we'll get her on the air. But the most important thing, sure. from from my view, uh, and I'm gonna, I got Pianki in line. I'm going to bring him on just a second. I got to Candace for the next report. But the most important sure. thing, I think, is that every one of these websites has to have the link to vaccine product liability and ending big tech censorship. Because if yeah. the thing that killed people was was the lack of freedom. I'm going to do a Substack on this pretty soon. I have gregpenglis.substack.com. In fact, I post my entire vaccine timeline. All the information that I collected over the course of about three years, uh, I put in this timeline. Maybe it was two years. Anyways, a lot. <laughs> so you can uh, just trace things all the way back to the VAERS, to the original uh, uh, Vaccine Act and to the, 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 the Bayh-Dole Act that allowed uh, government employees to make tons of money off their inventions, which they shouldn't do. Right, um, but, but the most- remdesivir is the key. Because if you don't have remdesivir, you don't have vaccines. Why is that? How's that connection? Because you have to, you have to have the number of deaths. You have to scare people. You have to fear monger people into okay. getting that vaccine. And you do that by having a lot of people die. Yep. Because uh, COVID wasn't that serious. COVID, yeah, COVID didn't kill enough people. That's right. And that that that's right. Oh, okay. And now that they're trying to give it to kids. They are creating okay. their own right. You know, they're 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 creating their own target market. You know. So mm-hmm. well, I still think I still think Brian Sicknick, the Capitol Hill police officer, was killed by the jab. So let's let's get this here. And I'm going to get to Pianki, then I'll get to Candace. So if they can kill, an, so this is what the this is what the, the lockdowns and the masks were all about was preserving COVID, not preserving people. See, COVID That's ended. Correct. I've got the CD, I got the CDC chart that shows that COVID ended mid-July of 2020. It was done. The death rate was heading for zero. Now, if you give everybody the same poison, mm-hmm. remdesivir, which right. breaks down the organs, you can call it COVID because people had the – don't forget the flu disappeared oh, in that year. Oh, I see. I see how this works. So people go, I think now, you have COVID. You see where okay. I'm going? They had yeah, to create the appearance of this COVID – this virus being deadly, well, they, that's the reason why everybody got the same dose. It was toxic. It was, it was going to, it was going to it, create renal failure, acute renal failure. It was going to attack other organs. And then it, they called it people are dying of COVID. They weren't dying of COVID. They were dying of a deadly protocol using remdesivir, then venting, and then people dying. And after that, they scared people enough that they would drive people by the carloads to to open fields where they would get jabbed with an unknown toxin, never Mm -hmm. tested. 
So it's all part of the mar- it's, it's a it's a marketing plan a bioweapon. Well, we we call it here the the remdesivir ventilator death march, and I've been calling it that for okay. about a year. Let me get to I got to hold you up a little bit. I want to get Pianki see if he has a question for you, and then I want to get to Candace because this is her hour. And uh, Marie, sure. if you want to come back next Wednesday too, feel free. I mean, we've got a lot to talk. Yeah, thank you, Candace. <laughs> Pianki, you're on with uh, Marie Clark and uh, Rebecca Charles. Question comment. It sounds like the Democrats want to have a government can make people do what is popular for their constituents, pharmaceuticals, mad scientists. Well, so Democrats on, used so to on, hate so big pharma. Wait a minute. I mean, and, and, and Republicans are just as bad. They're not stopping this either. So, so let's talk about mm-hmm. you know, partisan. What happened to Democrats? They, they hated big pharma. Every they, prostitute they... had a price. <laughs> oh, is that what it is, Marie? I'm sorry. What was that? Well, I said the Democrats used to hate big pharma. In fact, they used to go after the insurance companies, saying that uh, the insurance companies were were not taking pre-existing conditions and people were dying because insurance companies weren't paying for the treatments that they were supposed to get. Now they love big pharma. In fact, they are big pharma. You know, yeah. supporting well, both big tech and big pharma. Well, take a look at FDA. When you're done with FDA, where do you go? You go to sit on the board with a high-paying job of a big pharma. Yeah, I mean, this is, a, this is an endless cycle. It doesn't matter whether you're Republican or Democrat. It's, it's just an endless cycle at the top. Now we're getting into the idea of, you know, lobbyists having control of the government. That's really what we've ended up with. And what I, you know, I, I really want, what I want to see is, not, forget term limits. I really want to see no money from big pharma involved in the United States government and no official who leaves office should be taking a job for at least five to 10 years. How about ever? I want to, I have a bill. Well, ever I would think, be wonderful. I think you're the but, person to you know, write it. I think you're the person to write it. And, uh, um, that you gotta do see, is, uh, hold on a second. Pianchi. Louisiana oh, just passed a bill like this. Oh, they did? Okay. Which, uh, in that case, you know, go ahead. What's, what's the bill? Do you have the bill number or can you uh, send it to me or did you already? You probably did. I get stuff from Bianca all the time. Um, what they do they got have? Several bills. They got several bills like that where outside money can't be in, used to influence. And that's sort of, I don't know the exact wording. They've got you can't identify a children with pronouns. It gives back fundamental rights to parents. A uh, sheriff can't go into a church for them to stop having service because of a pandemic. They passing some very, very good bills. Let's uh, let's. Those are good. I want to take those up. I want to take them up next week though because I want to get going. Hey, Candace, do you want to get in this conversation, or, or have you got some topics uh, that we can get to in a, in a shorter amount of time? Because we're on a kind of a roll here. Yeah, actually, I am completely fine with doing this this morning. It sounds fascinating. I wish I would have gotten on a little bit earlier, but. Um, so we can keep going with this. Works for me. Okay, let's stick around for a little bit, and then maybe at the bottom of the hour uh, we might we might switch over a little bit. And I can always run a little bit over time uh, if Candace has the time for that. Candace, uh, what's uh, I keep forgetting the name of your organization. I don't want to mess it up. What's it called again? It is uh, Believe the Journey Horse Services. There we go. And so that's what we talk about here. So we're going to talk horses and nature and philosophy and life and all kinds of things. That's um, Candace's report, which actually goes along. It's the opposite of what we're talking about this hour, which is death by government. Um, so what I want to do with Marie and, and, and uh, Rebecca is, if at all possible, get our, our two bills. 
again, vaccine product liability and ending big tech censorship onto all the websites of all the folks that are, are doing what you guys are doing, uh, like with Rebecca's uh, website, uh, Death by Hospital Protocol, because that's the answer. You know, changing the politicians doesn't change anything because you trade one that's corrupt right. politician mm-hmm. for another one. So I realized mm-hmm. that I started Action Radio back in 2014. So this isn't something that I just woke up this morning and did. And so I, and I realized that the only way you're going to make major change, you have to change the laws because whoever controls the laws controls the country. Right now the government controls the laws and they're using them against us. So what we need to do is to write the laws that we consent to be governed by and take the laws to the people first, then to the media, yeah. and then yeah, to the exactly. government. The government's, the government's the last place that the laws go to that we're proposing. We already need the support. In other words, we want them pre-approved before they get to government. So government, all right, who's, who's making breakfast? I'm hearing getting noise in the background. Hi. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, is that, is that you, uh, is that Candace? <laughs> That's me. Co- That's Rebecca. Whether, whether, whether we get the horse <laughs> or is Rebecca. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. We had, we had a horse uh, last time, Winnie big time. Uh, it was, it was kind of cool too. All right. So yes, I don't mind you making breakfast, but just mute yourself. <laughs> I was on a roll. So what's I talking about? Anyway, um, you were talking about uh, everybody yeah, connecting with your um, legislation. Yeah. People first. Got to go to the websites. Got to go to the people. Got to build a consensus. The people then share yep. with the media. The media starts reporting on the stories. Then the media shares with the pollsters. The pollsters start polling on the stories. And then they go to the, to the actual government folks themselves, the representatives, the senators, you know, the state reps, and the local government and things like that. But this is what people don't understand when they ask, well, haven't you passed a bill yet? I said, no, because the people, we don't have the people on board yet. We've got to get the people on board. And that's you guys and we, all those websites. Go ahead. And, and, and they didn't start off by we the people by accident. I mean, oh, you no. know, this, 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 I mean, we the people is an incredibly powerful phrase beyond what we think superficially. Because now you're getting into what you're talking about is really the crux of the matter. Mm-hmm. It's the grassroots. It has to come from your neighbor. It has to, it, you know, and your neighbor and your diner. You know, when you get together, I have had, I'll tell you, I go to a little diner um, every week for breakfast with a friend. Oh, I call, can't tell you the number there. of people. No, call us from there. I call the, get, the owner, get the owners on the show. I'm serious I, about this. I'd I love can, to have I a diner report. I'd love to have a diner report because diners are where the world is decided. I love diners. Oh, absolutely. And in New okay. Hampshire, like, if you don't, you know, if you aren't oh, yeah. at that diner, you know. I might have been, what's the name of the diner? I might have been there. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's called Deja Vu. <laughs> oh, isn't that funny? Okay, so <laughs> I want the owners on the show. I want the owners. I want to hear their story. And I want to just talk to the local customers. You know, do like Josie does. Josie will go to rallies and go to different places. Josie's our Latino reporter. She grew up in Nicaragua. And she'll just go around and pass the phone around and say, who wants to be on the radio? I'm serious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, this is, I, I, you know. I could talk to her about it and ask her okay. about it because, um, you know, right. of course I would always do that. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting because when I, I've talked about something, I don't know, I was explaining to a friend of mine, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I think it had something to do with, um, oh, you know, the, the pandemic treaty at the time. Mm-hmm. And this woman walks over and got up. She finished her breakfast. She walked over to me. She said, excuse me. She said, I just want to thank you. I said, what for? And she said, I just listened to your explanation. And she said, you're the first person that actually I can understand what they're talking about. <laughs> That's and wonderful. I laughed. I didn't even remember what I said, but in any mm-hmm. case, I was explaining it to this friend of mine. And, mm-hmm. um, 
But that's how people, it's funny, you know, people start talking to each other at diners, especially Mm -hmm. in New Hampshire around, you know, it's getting hot up here already. Everybody's Mm -hmm. starting, DeSantis has been here, Trump's going to be here. And I saw that Bobby Kennedy on WMUR, uh, which is the major television station in New Hampshire, um, he got on and said New Hampshire's key for him. Oh yeah, and he's well. He was on Tucker. Uh, I think he was on Tucker Wednesday night, and so I saw that presentation. That was wonderful. So Fox News already has well, not Fox News. Tucker's different. I separated him from Fox News, but he had Kennedy on yeah. for a few minutes. He talked about Bobby Kennedy. We're going to get someday. I hope to have Bobby Kennedy on the show here, but that's not as important, quite honestly. I don't need the fame. I do need the ratings, but I don't need the fame. Well, let me put it a, bit, a different way. I need him to endorse our bills because it's the bills that right. count. Exactly. You know, I need, I need the public I recognition. Of, yeah, exactly. To make yeah. the show bigger. I yeah, mean, who ahead. cares about the public recognition? I really want to, I, I want to make sure my grandchildren don't live under medical tyranny. Right. That's what I want. That's, hmm. It's pretty personal. You know, I don't want to see my friends dying. I don't want to see my family, you know, most of whom don't even understand what I'm doing. You know, one out of all the rest of them. What don't they understand? Know? What's what's well? What's they've the, all got the vaccinated. They're all scared to death, and they think mom's a drama queen. What what can I tell you? <laughs> what are they scared of? Oh, that's well, no, I I I think you're fabulous. Well, I'm, I'm you know, on one here. lives. In, what are they scared of? One, well, one lives in Vermont, so very heavily impacted by Bernie Sanders. You know, um, they march to the tune, and and they mm. don't. My my, I have a son who who said, "Well, mom, maybe what you had, maybe what your experience was just an aberration." I said, <laughs> "How can you say that?" I've been, I said, "There are umpteen people who've come out." I sent him a website. I mean, all these people can't who are experiencing the same thing across the country can't be an aberration. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. but he went. He's all jabbed up, and what what can I tell you? There there are a lot of people out there. I don't think when you, until I rolled through those hospital doors, I had the same mindset as my my kids have and my family has, which is doctors don't harm you. Hospitals are good places, you know. And yeah, this, yeah, is, I was why, suspicious. this is why it's <laughs> really hard for people to yeah. understand this. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, I, my, my hospital experience. You know, that you're asking them to turn their whole life experience with hospitals on its ear because you have a bad experience. And that's how they think of it. And that's why it's so difficult to talk with families. Yeah, see, I had a couple of bad things with hospitals at an early age. So I I, I woke up on the operating table when they were taking my tonsils out because they didn't give me enough stuff. And the, I hear the doctors, oh, he's awake. Do something. <laughs> I'm like, huh? <laughs> so I, I didn't trust doctors from then on. So I've always had a bad experience. Let me get Candace in the show here. Uh, uh, Cowgirl Candace uh, is, our, is our horse person out in nature. Totally different environment than we're talking about here. But, you know, incidentally, we talked about actually ivermectin, you know, being horse paced. Well, she actually has horses, so she uses it. But to Candace, just, you don't have to talk about that, but just general impressions so far. Folks, you know, experiences. Uh, I, I think everybody's been touched by this, by this uh, government tyranny. At some point, do you want to throw something in here? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely. That's why I really enjoy the show and listening to these when I, when I have time because I'm, you know, in my generation we don't really talk about any of this, and this is hmm. how I feel, you know. And getting more in depth and listening to people that are out there trying to fight against it, um, just 
helped me with my decisions too, you know, and, and like she was saying, you know, I I don't even want to have to deal with the healthcare system um, where it is. And, and honestly, right now, I, I don't have health insurance because it's all a scam in, in my mind, you know, it, they're going to get you either way. I mean, if I can pay out of pocket, I can, um, but I just, you know, and maybe it's just the horse girl type in me that I'm like, if I can kill myself, I'm going to kill myself and not go to the doctor unless I'm actively dying. And then you might still have to convince me at that point because I just don't have any trust in our system at all, you know, and the protocols that they have to abide by um, and people just can't follow truly who they are and they can't really follow really how they want to treat people because of the protocols that stand in the government and the way big pharma is, you know, so it's, you know, it's such a, I, I felt the same when we switched over to corporate in the vet field, you know, it was the protocols. We couldn't, we couldn't heal and treat the animals and the patients like we wanted to because we had to follow protocol. And to me, that's what really drove me out the door because I couldn't stay true to my heart. So I see, how many people that are unhappy within themselves because, you know, we all have to make money and, and we have a passion and we want to do it. But, you know, when, when we go into these corporations or we go into these, the greed that comes with it, you know, it really changes us as a human. So it took me a while to walk out that door, but I said, you know, I got to, I got to stay true to my heart. So I just, um, I applaud the people that are coming on this show and really speaking up for themselves and for others because it's it's a trap door that we're in in, in today's time. Yeah. I want to hear from Marie and then Rebecca, and i got questions for both of you as well. Candice, thank you. Uh, Marie, how do we reach the younger folks? Um, and what, what do you think well, of Candice? Well, you know, that's my, that's my hope. Um, I'm just starting, um, you know, a podcast, and I, I did it with Mark um, Kulak on Who's Atomic Live because – you know, I wasn't sure whether, <laughs> whether honestly, a gray-haired 76-year-old woman was going to ever, you know, go over at all. What, all that wisdom and, you've got? Uh, Are you kidding? Of course we want to hear it. So, well, I you do. know, you know, I have, you know, I have grandkids who are like, oh, well, oh, you're kidding, you know. <laughs> so you don't know. And, and, uh, and so it kind of was like a test, but I, I laughed because this morning I woke up and we reached 1,000 views. And within four mm. days, and I was, I was very happy about that. But, but I think it's really important for young people to, um, un- unfortunately, history's being scrubbed as we speak, literally. Mm-hmm. And it's important for people to learn how to critically think. It's not being taught in the school system anymore. It's not even being taught. I mean, they, I, I am just astounded at the lack of basic knowledge. When I talk with people, I was talking with a young man who was getting his, his engineering degree, okay, structural engineering degree. I was looking for a car. He was doing this part-time. And I said to him, you know, I have a question for you. And he said, what's that? I said, because I'm always curious about the education level based on, you know, when it comes to civics. And I said, can you name the three branches of government? And he looked at me like deer in headlights. And <laughs> how I thought, old are we talking oh, about? How, how we're old We're talking 22 years old. 22 okay. years old. Hmm. And, um, and you know, he, he struggled. He said, well, there's the law. I said, yeah, that's the legislative branch. 
And he said, well, and then there's the place where the president is. I said, that's the executive branch. I said, they actually are responsible for, you know, um, executing the laws that Congress passes. And he said, um, and then the other one is, the other one is, I said, the other one's the judicial branch. Now, we are talking literally sixth, seventh grade, you know, history. Oh, it, I mean, you know, oh. <laughs> there's just this lack of civics. There's just a total lack of civics education, and they're voting at age 18. My hope is I would love to have you on doing a series of how bills, how to write a bill, what's involved. Well, I the website tells people, you that, but yeah, I want to, I'm available for right. Zooms and, and interviews. Yeah, just you know, message because me. <laughs> if I will. Young people aren't uh-huh. getting this education. When I uh-huh. went to school in New York, I had one – in seventh grade, you had community. You had your local town community history. In eighth grade, you had state. In ninth and tenth, you had world history. And in eleventh and twelfth, you had, um, you know, American history. Today, you're lucky if any kid gets one semester well, see, this of by design. any kind of history whatsoever. See, the, the whole purpose of, of you know, the, the two things that have occurred to me as we've been talking. One, if anybody wonders how Hitler was democratically elected in Germany, just look at what's going on now and how easily the population sways. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. The second thing yeah. um, is, is that, uh, Rebecca, you've been over he our bills, right? He also did it uh, slowly. Go ahead. You know, he did it very slowly. Yeah. 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 But, um, but Rebecca, and I want to get your opinion, if you have any response to Candace, uh, especially with the younger folks, um, but in terms of, of the legislation, you've read our vaccine bill, uh, I assume, and our product bill. If you haven't, if you're busy, I understand. But is there anything about those that's tough to understand? Is there anything that's, that's no, incredibly confusing? No, I don't think confusing? I don't. Okay. I don't think so, but I think we should teach this in the schools and the universities. As mm-hmm. Marie said, they, they come out to the end, they don't even know anything. And that's very, very sad. America used to be a country where you strive to go to the universities in America. You know, you come out with the best diplomas, the best graduate students from all over. And now America University is coming out. What are they pushing out? I mean, I look at these kids being graduated and they don't know anything. So between medical tyranny and these bills, we need to be inform them as much as possible. Well, that's what we do on our show here. In fact, not only do we teach government stuff, we teach all the problems in government, the things people don't know, that the Supreme Court cannot interpret the Constitution, that judicial review is illegal, that they're not there for lifetime appointments. They're only there for good behavior. In fact, they're not even called justices. They're called judges in the Constitution. We know the basics. Yeah. Most, people, most people who think they know about government don't even know those basic things. Even the Supreme Court people Correct. who go before who go before yeah. Congress for their hearings, they don't even either they do know and they don't care or they don't talk about it. Uh, I want to bring Pianki back in for a second here because um, Pianki, who discovered the show a few years ago, never written a bill, has, I think, two or three to his credit. But there's one in particular. Um, Pianki, how did you find the process of learning about how to write legislation? Any problems? Well, I've written bills before when I was sitting oh, okay. on the city council. Oh. But you know what's something that, that that you should also consider? What's that? How many of you got good credit? How many, if you got out? good credit, Joe oh, Biden. If you got good credit, if you want, if you got good credit, Joe Biden just put forth a legislation or a rule that if you got good credit, you got to pay extra per month for those who don't. Well, how <laughs> how equitable. <laughs> 
that's, uh, I'll have to talk to Derek about that, our financial reporter, but that's, uh, that's definitely, um, send me something. I think you probably did send me something. On. That sounds like something I want to take up Monday. You have to well, pay is, 7% is, more on your home mortgage. Really? And other, uh, other, per, other uh, contracts where you have to, dependent upon your credit, you have to pay as much as 7% more a month on your home mortgage, and that money is to go for those who don't have good credit. That's like those who pay sounds for the like student loans. Sounds like a business loans. opportunity. <laughs> sounds like a corruption opportunity. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let's um, – I was, I I think, was being I kind. Think, yeah. I think we can probably pick this up again Wednesday. Um, I'll talk off the air, see if Marie – if you want uh, But well, let's get, let's get like, more comments from Marie and Rebecca. Uh, I think we can kind of sum up at this point. Then I want to get to Kansas. Kansas. <laughs> Sorry, Kansas. Kansas. I'm talking too fast. Can you tell? I get excited when I get in, into this kind of stuff. Um, but where, where should we go from here um, – Marie and then Rebecca. So what, uh, again, if you can put our legislation on all those websites, the, all those activists out there, and we should talk about, uh, I guess it's Laurie Cedar, what's her last name? Cedarstrom. I, I, I write badly. Cedarstrom. There we go. But well, let me ask you once again, my nosy question. What are they saying about our website? What, what are they saying about our legislation? I, I have to know. This is, this is like news to me. Well, I, I think, you know, I think the, the ideal thing is to, for us to continue to spread your word and about, okay. and I, just to let you know, Lori had been, I was having a conversation with her about being on your program, uh-huh. and she said, I was telling her about your website, and she said, you're going to laugh, Marie. I said, why? She said, because I have that right, I have it bookmarked. <laughs> so right she's been using the right? website. Uh, she's been using your website in Arizona to help formulate uh, the bills, formulated four bills. They have a hearing, oh, I believe, so at the end of May. Well, we explained how to write a bill. I mean, it's no big secret. You yeah, have an introduction. Exactly. You have the old well, bill, and, and, and you have the new one. Yeah. She got hooked up with um, uh, somebody from the Cary Lake, an activist who also helped write bills with the Cary Lake campaign. And so between your your information and theirs, she was able to put things together. So that's why I said um, it would be an interesting thing. This is how we do it. We're, we're going to oh, yeah. have to do it one person, one conversation at a time. Yeah. We're one big happy family, but of course now I want to have Carrie Lake on the show, <laughs> and I want to see, if we can, or at least talk to our organization and see if we can get them some citizen legislation. Um, this is yeah. good, Rebecca. Um, I'm going to obviously you're gonna, we're going to talk more Wednesday when we get you back on the show, but uh, this has been fabulous. But I want to make sure that we get your comments in, and then I want to to uh, move over to uh, to Candace here. So Rebecca, comments, ideas, things that we should be talking about, stuff on your website, anything. Well. Spread, spread my website, but also, you know, start going in front of these hospitals, get in these doctors' pictures, uh, advertising it as much as possible. Um, for me, this is my mission, um, right. is just to make people aware of these dangerous, you know, situations we have going on in the hospital. As Candace said, she, she's scared, and she's a young woman, and she doesn't even know. <laughs> you know, she didn't, probably didn't have anybody hurt. So this is how much we need to educate people, and this is my mission. Well, let's get to your website and uh, and any contact information. I don't know if you have a public email or however folks can get in touch with you, Facebook or something like that. So how do folks get the message to you, or can they do it right from the website? 
Yeah, I have Facebook, and I also just opened up an Instagram account. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'll give my phone number out to anybody who wants it. It's 917 Before you do, just, just to let you know, it's, it's podcast forever. <laughs> Again, it, goes, goes, it goes to a lot of places, so if you get a call from Cuba, don't blame me, okay? I just want to let you know. <laughs> okay, all right. I'll give my email address then. It's <laughs> rforebecca, rcharles109 at gmail.com. Um, email me anything, any stories, any reviews of any hospitals. We need to get them shut down. We really need to have a new healthcare system where it's safe, where we have people sitting on the boards who were injured and to say, okay, this is not going to be approved. Like Marie said, it was the same dose for every patient. My daughter was only like 110 pounds. How do you give her the same dose of remdesivir, 10 wrongs, as you give a person who's 250 pounds? I mean, it was premeditated murder, and this is my mission is to expose this. Yeah, Rebecca's going to be regular on the show. She's going to have a report Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Central Time. So we're going to talk to the people that uh, have been victims of this, that know people that, uh, you know, we're going to get this out there. Her website, deathbyhospitalprotocol.com, just to make sure. Dot com, yes. Yep, yeah, okay, that's so, it. Uh, and just, just go in, and, and it's, made, it's very easy. Upload your review, upload the doctor's pictures, and we're going to get them. We're oh, going yeah. to get them. They're going to be so well, scared to be on that website that they're going to run. That's what I want. Where's the Where's the class action lawsuit? Where's the, uh, you know? And I would also talk to Bobby Kennedy. Well, I I have an idea. Um, I think I mentioned this off the air. I think I could say on the air too. I want to get you, uh, Scott Shera, uh, probably Marie too, and Judy Mikovits on the show at the same time because Judy's connected to okay. everybody worldwide. Okay. You know? And so if uh, Marie, do you know her story? Going back to Dr. I Fascist do know and her story. AIDS and yes. okay, so she's so just go. She was on for almost three hours uh, about three or four weeks ago when we had our uh, our second anniversary of our vaccine product liability bill and the fact that it isn't national news yet even. <laughs> so so Judy's a friend, hmm. but uh, I would go directly to I would I would try and well, I can her um, her email which I can give you a public one, um, Dr. Judy at therealdrjudy.com. That's her public email. And so uh, I can get that to you off the air, too. I would contact her, uh, tell her what you're doing, uh, say that you've been on the show, you're a friend of me, and also see if we can get Bobby Kennedy involved. If the Trump folks don't want to do it, you know, or if they're not doing it as quickly, let's, let's go directly to, you know, Robert Kennedy Jr. I mean, this is his thing. This is his passion. I want him to endorse yeah. what you're doing and what we're doing here with our legislation. Why not? Yeah. I that mean, would be it's great. Key. It's okay. key. All right. Let's give you both a round of applause. <laughs> Bree, do you have any contact information you want to give? Websites, Facebook pages, things like that, groups? I, I don't. I'm actually in the process of setting up a lot of stuff, but um, okay. I, can, I can send it to you later. And, uh, okay. You know, but for now, um, people, people can contact me at Loudon Lady, L-O-U-D-O-N, Lady, at gmail.com. Just writing that down. Of course, you can always call us from the diner too. Don't forget that. Oh yeah. Well, I'm, I'll have to. I'll have to put that on my list. That would be fun. <laughs> it sure would. I All think right. so. I mean, you two can stick around if you want. I want to talk to Candace a little bit, and because uh, she has a little bit of time here. But uh, Candace, you're always welcome to more time next week if we don't cover your stuff too. But thank you two very, both very much, Marie and Rebecca. Rebecca, I'll talk to you next week. Thank Marie, you so you're much. always welcome. You're, you're so oh, okay. Welcome. Thank Marie. you so much, Greg. Right. Bye. All right. Bye now. Bye. Bye, Rebecca. Whew. Thanks, Candace. We really appreciate the extra time. Mm-hmm. That was important. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and well, most of the time when I get on here, I'm like, oh, I want to talk about that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, sometimes there's nobody here, and the well, the last two days, the weird part is I've had to do three hours of solo radio because no one's been here. All my reporters, I had like five different reporters scheduled over the last five days, and they were all uh, the last two days, and they were all doing other things. They all had stuff happening, and they couldn't be here. Okay, but I don't want to talk for three hours. I want to listen to you guys and just ask impossible (laughs) questions like I normally do. You know. Pianki's still yeah. here. Marie's still on the line. Marie, you're, oh, Marie was on the line. She just left. So it's Pianki, you, and me. So, Candace, what's going on in your world? What's happening? Um, well, I guess the biggest thing is I kind of took a couple of days away from the horses and um, just really went farther into nature. So uh-huh. it's not, you know, my horses are, are one of my main passions, but I also, you know, I feel like if my horses weren't a big part of my life I would be like that crazy hippie girl that's like traveling in this crazy jacked up van living out of the back of it exploring the unknown so I guess I just want to kind of speak about um just my backpacking trip through Alabama Cheehaw State Park and Talladega okay. I'm not sure if you've been out there Greg but it's just no I haven't I have not I've been in I've been cooped up trying to create this radio thing here in Florida. Um, so I haven't gotten, I've barely explored this area because most of my time is spent working, unfortunately. Um, so point me in the right direction. Um, but I'll tell you though, if you, I, I just see you, you know, with like bell bottom jeans and, and a tie dye shirt <laughs> and, and like bangly things and the bandana and the blue sunglasses, you know, the round ones. And, and then uh, like a, like a leather jacket with little, little tassel things hanging down when it's colder, uh, driving a VW van. Uh, that's painted 15 different <laughs> colors. This is this is the image I have right now. Is that about right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think maybe that was one of my past life experiences. But yes, I I would totally do that. Okay. Um, right now, you know, the horses are, are definitely my passion. But when I can't escape to go mm-hmm. backpacking, I, I do. Which it took me two years in the making to to even go for two days away from the horses. Oh um, wow, so, that's you got to get away. You know, this is why I play guitar yeah, night instead yeah. of doing. I love politics, but I need two hours of guitar a night just because, just because. So, where'd you go? What'd yeah. you do? What did, what did you discover? Um, how'd it go? Well, we went out on the whim. You know, we didn't really do as much. Um, I I went out there, just drove out there, googled and researched the highest elevation in Alabama, and it found out it was only four hours from here. So back during Christmas, I kind of just took a day ride out and, and went and visited that park. And that's when I was like, it just hit me. I was like, if I'm going to backpack, this is where I want to backpack at. And uh-huh. uh, so me and my friend, just out of the whim, we were supposed to take the horses packing out. And I said, you know what? We've talked about it for two years about backpacking. We still haven't done it. So let's just do it. So we went out there Monday, um, got there pretty late in the evening. But um, when we were at the parking lot, there was another hiker getting ready and he, he asked me where I was going. And I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm really not the biggest planner in the world. I said, I just got a pack. And I figured <laughs> you got, you got I, a I compass in the direction Falls. or what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, said, I figured I'd hit Chiha Falls and I've heard there's a, there's a camp shelter a little bit um, farther up from that. So that's probably going to be my goal today. And then we'll decide tomorrow when we wake up where we want to go and how we want to spend it. But, um, he led me in the right direction as far as the falls and told me, he said, well, you really need to go see Devil's Den and uh, and go out to the lake. And I said, okay, well, that sounds like a good plan to me. So I, I'm grateful for, for that hiker who, who was doing a solo hike. He did 17 miles, and he was gone within the two days that we were backpacking. So I was like, man, 
So, um, anyways, it was it was really neat. We got on the trail pretty late in the evening, and as we got on there, there was a photographer for um, a journal, a journalist from Anniston, Alabama, which was about a two-hour drive, and um, he was just so friendly. He he was like, I'm out here taking pictures of the different flowers, and there's actually one that only blooms within one week and it was out there and luckily we got a chance to see that and I'm not the biggest huh. flower person still cool to to hear somebody just randomly stop and, and share their wisdom and educate us and so it was just something that I found that I enjoyed throughout the hike you know looking for those pink slipper plants is what they were called and and getting we'll need pictures what for our environmental page, so feel free to, yeah, uh, to post yeah, to the so Action Radio Environmental Action Project. Yeah, yeah, I love stuff okay. like that. Yeah, I'd like to research a little bit more on it, but he was out there okay. specifically to capture because they're so rare and they only grow in a certain area and they only mm. bloom in one week. So um, I actually got to see the one that he pointed out to me and then the last mile of the hike coming back um, – Wednesday, I pointed out another one and got a picture of that. And it's just incredible to know, you know, what we walk past every day and never really, you know, think twice about it. So um, that was neat. And like I said, the mountain laurels are just all over the mountainside and they're big, beautiful flowers. So what do they look I would like? have never seen them. Um, I'll this is radio. For you, Ooh, we, need, we need a visual. Almost, I know. It's kind of. <laughs> Azalea bush, so they're really pretty and vibrant with white and pink on them. Some of them had a darker tint to them, and they just they flourished along the mountainside. So around the waterfall, along the mountainside, or along the rocks, um, it was just a beautiful sight to see. And it was even cooler now that I know what they're called. Um, and so when we we got to the the shelter pretty early, and then hung out at the falls, and um, didn't really see anybody else that day and then the second day was our big hike we ended up doing nine miles the second day and let me tell you 35 pounds on your back if you've never hiked <laughs> with 35 pounds which i have not um nine no, have. miles and one was a little, i went to uh, uh <laughs> hey listen i had a not, not to try i'm not trying to top your story but uh when i went to europe for almost three months i think it was like a week short mm-hmm. um i had everything i had in the world at the time pretty much uh in a backpack and it, it weighed probably about that so yeah i came yeah. back with shoulder muscles like you wouldn't believe now the first week i died it was horrible yeah. but, and i but i had a brand new pair of sneakers i had uh i had a little extra weight uh, on me you know and i had uh, this backpack full of enough clothes for for a month I had to do laundry a couple yeah. times, uh, but actually we ended up not doing laundry. We just traded clothes with other people. So we, we took their dirty laundry. They took our dirty laundry because it was different clothes. It was fun. <laughs> anyway, the point being yeah. that I came back 20 pounds lighter. Uh, I was completely muscular compared to what I left because I, I was carrying this backpack all over Europe uh, plus a day pack. Uh, and my sneakers were literally threads. They had completely dissolved because I was walking 25, maybe little, I figured about 20 miles a day I was walking uh, at least, Ooh. or at least it felt like that. But I totally shredded yeah. a brand new pair of sneakers. So you, so how much how much mileage does that take? And I wasn't like yeah. you know going through well, rocks and everything else like that. But yeah, from uh, so yeah, I understand carrying a backpack. Now my question is how how rugged was this trip? Because people say, oh, I went camping. Well, how'd you do it? Well, we took the RV and we parked. We hooked it up to the uh, electricity in the water, and then we had the picnic bench out front, and then we had the shelter we set up. We had the you know the overhang veranda thing, and then the, and they call that camping. No, that's not camping. Camping is when you take a backpack. Out into the woods, you pitch your tent, you catch your fish, you build your own fire, you start it yourself with maybe a flint. That's camping. 
So on the camping oh, scale yeah. of RV, you know, hookups to electricity and water, uh, watching the movie at the campground, um, to literally, you know, starting your own fire, wh- where are you on the camping scale? Um, I would much rather be the one starting my own fire. So, I mean, of okay. course, we did stay in scout shelter the first night. Now, the second night, we actually we did come back to the shelter, but we slept on the ground um, mm-hmm. next to the fire versus the shelter because we actually had other hikers join us that night, um, oh. and we let them we let them stay in the shelter, which was kind of funny because they were two army guys and 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 the older gentleman, which you know, of course, I would have given up the shelter. He, it was his first backpacking trip as well, so I knew. How much older are we talking pants. about? Um, and he was he was probably in his 60s. So actually, he said he was 62. He said I'm 62, and this is the first time I'm doing a backpack trip where I'm actually. So that's what I was curious about. Yeah, you know, so he's a year yeah. younger than me, uh, child. You know, but uh, point being that uh, it doesn't matter what age, as long as you, you know, if you can walk, you can hike, and if you can carry a backpack, yeah. you know, why not do it in your 70s or even 80s? So this is this right. is why I was encouraged. That uh, so you know here's there's a big life change that happens with folks around 62 to 65. It's called retirement. <laughs> you know, so there's a were you able to do things that you couldn't do when you were you know raising kids and you know doing all that mm-hmm. other kind of stuff. So the two times is before marriage and kids and after marriage and kids. You know, is when you can do pretty much anything you want. So there's a whole bunch of senior folks. This is why I say you know get out go camping. Take that trip you've always wanted mm-hmm. to take. Don't wait. Don't wait too long because one day you'll be, you know, on the porch, you know, watching the sunset in your rocking chair, eating uh, ice cream cones like Biden. Um, but before that happens, between when you retire and the rocking chair days, you better go out and try some things like camping. This is why I think it's so important um, to talk about this. That's the serious part of it. The second part is it's fun. You know, it's nice to get out in nature and get away from everything. So electronic devices, oh, yeah. internet, cell phones, any of that stuff uh, mm-hmm. working at this point, or are you just abandoning all that for a couple of days? Yeah, I just left it for a couple of days. I mean, I had it on me so I could take my photos and stuff, but um, we didn't have any service for the most most of our trip. And I mean, it was just it was nice to listen to the waterfalls down below. I mean, mm-hmm. we went to bed when the sun sun went down. We came up when the sun came up, you know. And it was just it really sets your natural time clock back mm. even in that shorter stage. And you know, just listening to the owls and the whippoorwills and um. You know, just the nature, right, right there at your feet, and then just and fill in the cool air. It just, you know, it's such an addiction to me. You know, and and going up to the shelter and then coming back to the waterfall because we took our filtrated water, so we had our filter system for our waters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I we have to that. There's our, amoebas and parasites you, and uh, nasty things oh, in yeah. the water. Yeah, Pianki. Yes. When you when you guys was out in the uh, woods, did you carry your weapons with you? I did. So I always keep, a, you know, I, I do have my concealed permit, so I always keep my gun on me, especially being a woman. You know, it's I feel a little different, you know, being, and even when the other hikers came, they were like, we don't normally see women alone out on these on these trails and I know there is there's there's not just me and my friend Annette who's crazy enough to go out there and and do our (laughs) own stuff you know and you know I the night the first night you know I went and picked up kindling that was around the area and hatcheted my own firewood you know and it was things that I don't think men think about women doing these days and it was you know, in, in fact, the second night when they were getting firewood, we were right there with them, and they had only brought a saw, and I had brought the hatchet. So we, you know, we worked together, and it was it was nice to to see other people get out and do that, and and 
both the boys that were in the army, they were around my age group, which was between their early twenties and or late twenties, early thirties. And so it was just neat that we kind of educated each other on, um, there was a good moment where the one boy had a huge log and he, he showed me how to break some, but he almost speared me in a net <laughs> with the, with the Uh-oh. log that came flying back between me and her, <laughs> you know, luckily we had good reaction, but you know, it was stories like that, that we got a good, uh, you know, a good laugh at and luckily none of us was injured, but we were like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. obviously we can hang together. You haven't killed us yet. <laughs> so, but I did bring my weapons out there and, and normally how I sleep is that I do, I do keep that knife close to me because you just never know, you know, I don't want to be too trusting in this world, but at the same time, you know, I don't want to be completely vulnerable out there. Well, you've got animals and people. Go ahead, Bianchi. Yeah, I'm sorry. I used to go into the woods in the seventies before there was anything called concealed carry. I used to carry Mm -hmm. my weapons. Like you say, you Mm -hmm. never know. And some backpackers have come up missing never to be found again. Correct. Yeah. Now, California, I don't think you can bring weapons into the state parks. So there's a lot of places in the country where they're still run by, you know, Marxist liberal idiots where you can't do it. But I think uh, Alabama, if you've got a Florida permit, then I think that's good in Alabama. And we're actually getting rid of our permits. I think July 1st they expire. Um, but can you go mm-hmm. to Alabama, you know, when Florida doesn't have a permit and still is the reciprocity still reciprocity still there where you can go to a different state uh, and, and bring your, your firearms with you? Has that been determined? I, I'm i not really sure. I know that Alabama, and I might not know, I didn't do my research on it, but I've had friends that lived in Alabama, and they are an open carry, if I'm not mistaken. I could be completely okay. wrong. That's what they mm. uh, But as far as the state park, I didn't see where it said no weapons allowed. Now, when you got into, there's a campground there, where mm-hmm. Chiha State Park is, and there is a sign right there, and it's gated that says no weapons and things like that. And of course, you know what do you what do you do when you're traveling? Obviously, I can't leave my weapons down the road, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I, I with me anyway. So yeah. Uh, and it's it's I've done that through several states and 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 kept it on me, but I don't talk about it, you know. So it's it's one of Except those on things. Except on the radio to I, fifty different countries. <laughs> Yeah, Sorry. that's fine. You know, yeah, okay, good. They can find me, whatever. But, yeah, but yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I need to know in the back of my head that I'm protected. Um, yep. and, and that's just, that's how I was raised. So, of course, I'm going to keep my weapons on it, whether it's mm-hmm. a pocket knife. I mean, even when I'm flying, obviously, I can't take my guns when I'm flying. But I do normally keep a knife or pepper spray on me or something that way. It's a comfort for me knowing, you know, if something happened in a situation that, I have a little bit more than just my hands to protect myself. Yeah. How about the the fact that you've been riding trails uh, for so many years? Uh, do you have much more awareness of animals than other people, you know, than your, the friend you're traveling with, for example? Are you just more aware of what's going yeah, on in nature? Uh, awareness. Um, you know, I'm constantly looking at tracks and, and different scats and, and um, listening. That's poop, folks. <laughs> Animal poop is a great yeah. indicator of what's walking <laughs> yeah. by. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and just trying to keep myself aware of my surroundings as well as being with the horses and being even with Traveler, who went with me. That's my dog. Um, mm-hmm. There was a point on the trail where he had a couple of moments where he pointed out. So it gave us a, a bigger awareness of, okay, something's there that we necessarily there? can't see. 
he's where he's aware of it. Um, I think yeah. what he pointed out the first time was just a deer or something, but um, it wasn't anything big and scary. But he, it is, it is nice to have more awareness with your senses um, than most people because that's that's a big thing when you're going out there. It's not really necessarily humans that you have to watch out for, but it could be just the wildlife that's coming in because you're you're stepping into their zone. You know, and yeah. sometimes we are at the wrong place at the wrong time, and we have to respect that and and do what's needed when that time comes. Yeah, I think people underestimate deer, uh, especially male deer. You know, with antlers, you know, with a bad attitude, <laughs> because you know people that, or, mm-hmm. or elk or even or moose or you know, because people are you know, it's not the wolves that kill people up in Alaska; it's the moose. You know, for the most part, because mm-hmm. they're big, and you know, and you think it's a big, friendly animal. You know, a bullwinkle. No, this is a multi-ton, you know, animal with, especially if it's a protective uh, mother. You know, with calves or or a male moose, and like I say, in a bad mood, uh, especially if it's uh, mating mm-hmm. season. You know, so so people need to be aware of, of the seasons of these animals and what they're going through. And so, a, a deer with antlers. You know, oh, isn't that pretty? Yeah. Well, those things are sharp. <laughs> they're made for a reason, you know, and I think people have to have a respect for nature that I think we've lost in a lot of ways. You know, things happen out there. Uh, you break an arm, it's a serious situation. Uh, break a leg, it's a mm-hmm. really serious situation. And you don't have your electronics. You don't have your normal comforts. And, yeah, you got health insurance, but what are you going to do when there's a copperhead snake staring you in the face? I mean, I passed one on my bike right. trail, you know, uh, last year. Yeah. Um, still got the picture, you know, but I passed within two feet of a, of a no, it was a water moccasin. Because uh, on the trail, and I figured the best thing to do was ride as fast as possible, pass it by, and it hissed, and the mouth opened up, and boy, that's white. <laughs> Cut mouths have a really white mouth. I, I discovered that, but uh, but the the speed of the situation kept me safe because I, you know, but those are the things you have to decide. What is it best to do? And so, because there's yeah. no way to go around, the, the trail was narrow enough that uh, it just anyway. Point being, um, the, the, you know, you're out there with the animals. You gotta. It is their environment. That's their home. You know, you go swimming in the Gulf. You know, there's sharks in the Gulf. Well, it's because yeah. it's salt water, <laughs> you know, it's, it's there and they swim better than you do, you know. So I think people forget that, uh, you know, it, it, the world is not a petting zoo, uh, but you still have to get yeah. out in it. You still have to experience it. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can't be scared. You can't be scared of it. I mean, there were so many spots that I was like, okay, well, this is a perfect place for a rattlesnake or a perfect place for a cotton mouth or, mm-hmm. or even, I mean, people don't even think about the ticks or the, the poison ivy mm-hmm. or the poison oak and, so you have to be aware in those situations. You have to be aware of where you're placing your feet when you're in a rocky terrain. I mean, and mm-hmm. even the current of the water out there mm-hmm. in those springs, you know, those rocks are slippery and that water's strong. So um, you definitely have to be mindful and, and keep that respect and, and that awareness um, open, you know, and, and with people too. I mean, there was a part that even Annette was like, I don't know, I didn't realize that you've seen those people. And it, it wasn't that I seen the people coming up when we were on the rocks, it was, I noticed traveler looking in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. And um, once I, I looked out that direction, you could see some, just the faint shadow of a person in the woods who was walking farther up on the trail. So I did hear Annette um, a couple of times point out, man, you can really spot, spot the things that I haven't spotted in here. So it's just, it's, I try my best to keep my awareness open when I'm in that, that situation, because it's, I mean, it, I think at the end of the day, that's what's... Do you know about um, edible plants, uh, natural plants and things like that, just in case the surprise supplies ran low or something? Um, I actually have a book on order about herbal plants, but there's so many different edible plants in different areas. Um, mm-hmm. So it's hard when I 
when I haven't really studied one set area. I mean, I know there's a couple of different mosses that can be actual uses for antibiotics, and um, there's certain ones that you can make tea out of. But as far as me getting to that point in my life where I'm like, I'm going to go out there and literally survive on that skill, I have not managed that yet. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, some people, some people literally go out with a knife and, uh, you know, take on a boar, uh, a wild boar. It's like, those people are really crazy, but, uh, you know, that's a, yeah. or, or sharp sticks. Okay. I'm going to go kill my boar. I got my sharp stick and I got my knife for, for skinning and I'll be just fine. Thank you. And they'll build a fire. I mean, they're, yeah. they're like MacGyver, you know, in the wild. <laughs> some people are crazy. Yeah. They're really good at it. You know, it's like, okay. Uh, me, yeah. I would rather have, uh, you know, 44 Magnum for, for a boar, but, uh, I'm still going to, you know, find a way. I still like to learn how to hunt at some point. And, uh, yeah. you know, one boar and one deer, and I think I'm done. That'd be good. I don't have to do a lot of this, but I should have the experience. And, and I always figured that uh, if uh, if some, you know, butcher place is going to kill my meat and, you know, cut it for me, I should at least have done it once to know the process. It just seems to me, uh, yeah. you know, it's something to, something to learn. So have you hunted? Is that something you grew up with? I think you did, if I remember. Yes. Yeah, I grew up hunting and fishing and catching our own dinner and cleaning out, you know, I'd I mean, I haven't done it in years because hunting's not as much of my passion as it was when mm-hmm. I was a little girl. You know, that's something me and my dad did. So I can't necessarily say I could definitely I could guide you through the cleaning process. But mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was something I took pride in. You know, on the first deer that I ever um, shot and killed myself. You know, it was one of those things. I said, okay, well, if I if I made it this far, I have to be the person to clean it. And there right. were several other times that I with with the other deer for my parents and or for my dad and, and for my husband where I've, I've helped clean their deer as well, but it's not something mm-hmm. that at day and age I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to go clean a deer today. But uh, <laughs> but I at least got to look at that, you know. And same thing with the fish that we would kill, you know, catch and, and eat for dinner. You know, there were so many times that I was out there right beside my dad just scaling them and, and helping. So it's nice to have that um, in the background knowing that if I absolutely had to, I could do it. You know. Yeah, I wonder about that too. In fact, um, I want to get some of the folks. Actually, I'm hoping to get sponsors. You know, my Patriot Supply. You know, some of the prepper folks, uh, some of the survival mm-hmm. folks, um, because stuff happens. You know, in, in my own life, I've been through the. The, the New England blizzard of 78, uh, I was in the San Francisco earthquake of 89, and I was here for Hurricane Sally in, in 2021, I think it was. You know, I sort of joke around with my friends, it's time I moved next to a volcano. I mean, I seem to have a pattern here. <laughs> you know, but uh, <laughs> stuff happens. And I know, you know, but I know stuff happens, you know, and uh, I've seen flooding around here, you know, with Hurricane Sally as well as, as the hurricane. And so we're in the natural world. And these folks, I think that... Yep. Uh, you know, that, um, the, the, you know, the man controls everything. And, uh, you know, the, well, what do you think, let me ask you this, having been out in nature and the power of nature, uh, do you know folks that are absolutely, uh, totally overwhelmed with this climate change belief that we can make legislation that if we stop driving our SUVs and drive electric cars, which derive their power from the same coal and oil, <laughs> you know, and petroleum, uh, mm-hmm. that somehow the world is yeah. going to be a, a cooler place. And that's a good thing. What do you do with folks like that? <laughs> I mean, luckily I haven't written into any of them because I just, I mean, that makes no sense that that's the way that, that they're thinking. I mean, it just, it's fathomed. I know that there was a way, I mean, I, and I've heard it, you know, where we can power our gasoline by water and different engineering, but it falls into kind of like the big pharma companies, like then the government wouldn't have the control and they wouldn't have a way of, of, um, 
of making money. So, I mean, really, it's just another way that the government has in the back of their head that, hey, well, let's let's make it all electric to make it harder and more controlling. It makes it easier for us to control the people even more. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it just it's the stupidest thing that I've ever heard come up with it. And I mean, if it comes down to that, I guess I'll be back to that wagon, wagon and horse stage because I'm not going to drive an electric vehicle. You know, it's either going to be my two feet or my horses and wagon. Um, Well, we have uh, have a bill in the works. Actually, a friend of mine, uh, uh, Amber, who was on the show as our constitution reporter, she's about, uh, I guess, 18 at the time. And she's been off for a bit going to college, but I want to get her back. Um, just for one episode, because yep. it was her idea to do an electric car tax bill. And I want to add a $25,000 hazmat fee to every electric car and have the state of Florida uh, charge a uh, charge what the, the federal government's giving for a subsidy. So if they're giving a $7,500 subsidy, then Florida should have a $7,500 electric car tax. And we'll, we'll call it the uh, the tax equalization or the tax equity or the equ- the electric car equity tax. It's <laughs> something like that, Yeah, you know. So, I mean, all these things, this is, and I think people forget just how much we can do with legislation. I was really impressed. Well, what did you think of this? And we only have about a minute left. So, but uh, um, with, um, with the folks who are talking about this, this woman out in Arizona, uh, Laurie Cedarstrom, who's already using our website, I had no idea. So, so the things that we do here, we really have no idea where they go. I got somebody using our website in Arizona to, to write legislation based on the stuff that we're teaching here. That was fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah, that that and I heard that and so that was that's incredible. I mean, and that's that's why it's important that we continue this kind of like mm-hmm. you know, the comment that I made on Fred's page, you know, it, it it is nice to have this right at our right at our hands where we we have the devices that we can talk to people all over the world and we we can come together and spread awareness and and mm-hmm. be ourselves. So it is neat that that it's it's getting that far, you know. And people are u- utilizing it. I'm sure it makes you feel like feel really good about it, you know. Because oh, I feel fabulous. Are you kidding? It. It's it's why I did this, you know. I mean, that was the whole point. This is why this is not out of ego. This is not out of you know. I mean, we need fame and recognition solely to get the message out there and the bills out there, um, yeah. you know. But uh, I think we've got a chance with Bobby Kennedy now with uh, Judy Mikevitz, who's personal friends of his, you know, that maybe uh, Bobby will endorse. I tell him, she calls him Bobby, so I guess I do. You know, maybe we'll endorse our vaccine product liability bill. That would be huge. Millions yeah. of people will then yeah. hear about that bill if it becomes part of the campaign. It should become part of the campaign. It, it, it could be yeah. one of the central issues of the campaign. Do you stand for vaccine product liability or not? That determines mm-hmm. whether you're a corporatist or, or an individual that believes all companies are equal and should be equal before the law and have equal liability for their products. That's a huge issue. Yeah. 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 Oh, it is. Yeah. So uh, stick around for a while. Um, it's going to be good fun here. <laughs> uh, but the other thing I was thinking, too, is that uh, there are horse organizations around the country and around the world. You know, I mean, if you can contact some folks in Arabia about Arabians, wouldn't that be cool? We've got a Skype line. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so if you want to start reaching out, uh, I would start United States, Canada, Mexico, uh, you know, horse folks, and uh, see who wants to come on the show. Might be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I have Kate, uh, who actually is opening up a sanctuary, and I just need to time it with her, um, Uh which she's a little busy right now, but she said she'd love to come on the show. So she just opened up a sanctuary for horses and animals in Peru. Oh, wow. um, And then I have to do some work in Brazil. So it's definitely out there. 
Um, okay, let's go to South America, too. <laughs> Forget North America. Let's yeah. go to South America, too. I mean, why not? You know, wherever yeah, you want to go is fine with me. You know, whatever happens, happens, you know. So uh, this, yep. is, this is what's going to be so fascinating. You know, I'd love to – actually be interesting to expand the show a little bit. I'd love to hear about the Mustang population, what's going on with them, you know, Bureau of Land Management. I mean, you, can, you know, there's a lot we can do with horses just in this country. Uh, you know, yep. you can do a thing on, on VW buses. How many of those are still out there? You know, and who, you know, how many hippies are traveling? I mean, the, the, the possibilities are, are, you know, only as limited as your imagination. And it's my imagination that there are no limits because <laughs> I, I, I get pretty big imagination. Um, so, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, well, it's nice to be, you know, dreamers and moon chasers. It's definitely what I call myself. So, um, you're a moon chaser. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We form a group, so, you know, I mean, you know, Candace and the, that'd be a great rock band, Candace and the moon chasers. There's your band. Yeah. I'm serious. Do you like that? Candace and the Moon Chasers. That's really catchy. So yeah, I got a band catchy. for you. So I got a, yeah, I got a band for you. So I'm, you just need the musicians and uh, you know a little more practice, and you're all set. There we go. So so make a make a make a logo for that. I'm gonna be curious. You know, so so get your art stuff together. <laughs> Candace and the Moon Chasers. See, I see this like huge full moon, and a bunch of people. Uh, uh, I don't know if you guys are running to it or, or you know, different faces. You know, I, you'll figure it out. But anyway, there's your band name. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What else can I do for you, Candace? Anything else while you're here? Uh, I think that's uh, that sums it up. I mean, another reminder for for people that are local in our area or coming to visit Milton, Florida. Um, trail season will be ending soon for a couple of months. So I'm, I'm filling up quickly in May. So if y'all want that opportunity to ride with me and hang out with me, um, see the horses, get that, get that special fill of nature, then you need to contact me. So my information is Believe the Journey Horse Services. Um, you can find me on the website there or you can find me through Facebook. Um, other social medias like TikTok and Instagram, you're going to find me through Cowgirl Candace. Um, and again, I'm located in Milton, Florida, and our trails will stop the beginning of June, and I won't be back open until September. Yeah, just because of the schedule, I'm going to be looking at September for me. Uh, so I want to come out to mm-hmm. like, it's a little cooler, and uh, I definitely wanted to uh, to do this and uh, uh, you know catch the fall breezes and all those kind of things. So we'll be talking. Uh, I figured if, yeah. if I got a horse reporter on the show, the least I can do is go ride. <laughs> I mean, they'd be kind yeah. of stupid not to. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. Let's uh, let's talk next week. Um, or if something comes up during the week, you know, you need to come on and make an announcement. Feel free. That's always possible. And we shall uh, okay. we shall do it again. Thank you. All right, Greg. Thank you. Have a good week. I will. You too. Yeah, I'm inspired. I mean, right. just from what I heard today, I'm inspired. Things are only going to get better. Yes. Well, I'm off to Matt Gates' office. I'm going to go talk to him or or his minions <laughs> and see if I can uh, get some recognition for the work that we're doing here. Uh, see if I can yes. see if they'll, if they'll call Trump to endorse our bills before uh, Robert Kennedy does. Get a little, little rivalry going. <laughs> see what I can stir up. You know me. It's it's, it's, it's you know it's all part of the game. All right, Candace. <laughs> yep. Take care. Talk to you next week. All right. Thank you. All right. right. Bye bye. Goodbye. All right. So it's been an incredible week here. Uh, this has been busy. It's been fun. I've got Marco in uh, in uh, the Netherlands. You know we have Pianki who's with me most days, um, and all our great reporters except for the last couple. of <laughs> couple of days when I was on my own. Uh, that, that's a lot of talking. I need to rest my voice for, for uh, uh, until Monday. I've done enough talking today. But this has been fascinating. Uh, Marie Clark was on. Uh, Rebecca Charles will be back next Wednesday with a regular report uh, on her uh, on her website, uh, Death by Hospital Protocol. So if you have a story, you know, that's where, where you want to go. 
contact her at deathbyhospitalprotocol.com because we are going to stop these people. We are going to make them pay. Um, we have a lot of work to do. Right here, our website is uh, blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Our legislative site is writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. And apparently people are using that to learn how to write legislation, which is the whole reason we set it up uh, in the first place. Uh, I have my substack, gregpenglis.substack.com. And our, our contribution site uh, is givesendgo.com slash actionradio. All of these are on the broadcast page up at the very top uh, where the notes are. But uh, have yourself a great week. And we will do this again uh, Monday, 7 a.m. Central Time, and we'll see you then. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, W-Y-L, to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend, Jason Myers, and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand your ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Grave Care. And now as an affiliate of Grave Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Gravecare saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gravecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gravecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? 
If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.